All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be talking NFL Week 11, started with the Patriots shutting out the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday Night Football and ended with them sitting in first place in the AFC East. So we'll talk about their outlook the rest of the way. We'll also dive into the Steelers' really difficult loss to the Chargers in Los Angeles on Sunday night and plenty more from this past weekend before talking a little college football as we are now in rivalry week, the last week of regular season games for most teams that will have a big effect on the final college football playoff field and more. We'll talk about the the latest happenings, uh, some of the bigger upsets and losses from this weekend and where things stand. Also talking about some news in the coaching ranks, some firings, some extensions, and just our thoughts uh, heading into the offseason for some of the lesser successful teams. From there, we'll talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins being likely sold to the Fenway Sports Group, the owners of the Boston Red Sox. So Brian and I will give our thoughts on them. And we'll also talk about the Match 5 Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. It is a rivalry on the podcast, and we'll we'll talk about our thoughts on that match. And we won't be doing a new top five this week, but we will be throwing it back to our top five Thanksgiving dishes from three years ago, back when this was the Ben and Corey podcast with my original co-host Benjamin Carlson. Brian Wells was a guest host on that episode. Actually, his last episode as a guest host before taking over full-time. So we'll kind of wrap up the episode by talking about that and uh, giving our thoughts on Thanksgiving dinner, what has changed in the three years since recording that. So a lot to talk about in this episode. So with that, let's get started. It's just the two of us this week after having uh, Kenny Cashman on as a guest last week. So we'll have a, a big focus on sports this week. It is Thanksgiving week. Um, we did our top five best weeks of the year uh, a couple months ago. Thanksgiving's my number one. Uh, a lot of stuff has to do with just you know the normal Thanksgiving festivities, but the sports are a big part of it. Are you excited for Thanksgiving this year? Not as much as you, but I, I, w- I would say <laughs> yeah. a little bit just because of how bad last year's was. I know, and it'll be nice. Um, I assume you'll be getting together with more family this year and more friends and stuff. You bet. Yep. Yeah, definitely excited about that. Um, this is certainly sad missing out on that last year. Um, if you're a veteran listener of He's Done It, back to the Ben and Corey podcast days, you know that Brian and uh, Thanksgiving dinner isn't necessarily the, the most exciting part of the day for him. We're actually going to replay that top five from three years ago we do have uh benjamin carlson former main host here 
giving his top five in addition to ours, and we'll kind of give our thoughts on our list, see if anything has changed in those years since then. I, um, I did kind of go off the rails on that one. Yeah, oh, you did. It was really funny. It was actually the the last episode you were just a guest host uh, before becoming a full-time host when we turned it over to He's Done It. So What an uh, honor. <laughs> yeah, a lot of significance in that one. So um, we'll be excited to, to talk about that. But before we get into any Thanksgiving-related stuff, I do have one quick thing I'd like to talk about. I don't necessarily expect you, Brian, to have uh, too many opinions on this, but I do want to throw it out there because it is uh, relevant to one of my bigger interests, and um, that is within the Bachelor franchise, as there's uh, some disappointing news. Um, So last year, 2020's edition of The Bachelorette. Um, Tasha Adams was the lead and her and her fiance, Zach Clark, who she chose at the end, announced earlier this week that they will be ending their engagement as broken by people on Monday. And it, it hit me harder than I would think any kind of celebrity couple has. I can't imagine you've ever really been distraught about, um, you know, people you don't know breaking up celebrities like that. I can't think of one at the top of my head. See, normally it's not a huge deal for me, and I've kind of grown accustomed to the Bachelor franchise, like these relationships not working out. That uh, you know, as soon as they're no longer on TV, they're no longer in this fantasy land where all they're doing is trying to date each other, and they're in the real world, and uh, you know, all the issues that come with that become a factor in their lives. Uh, the relationships they just don't work often. Um, and I think like I think I'm kind of resigned to that fact again. But there was a lot of moments where I was like, man, this might be what actually gets me to stop watching the show. Because normally when they break up after like a few months or a year in this case, I'm like, ah, whatever. I like wasn't a huge fan of them together anyway. I wanted this other person because they were, you know, funny or they had a cool personality, or in the case of like you know, when it's The Bachelor and it's women chosen, I'm like, oh, I thought she was more attractive. I would have chosen her instead. Uh, but in this case, Zach was like the person who I immediately uh, pegged as like the guy that I wanted Tasha to end up with when she took over for Claire as The Bachelorette on that season. So this was a relationship that I was really rooting for. And the fact that they couldn't do it, like, you know, not to say that they should have been stronger than any of the other ones on the show. It just made me think, why do I keep watching the show? Like, what what am I getting out of it? <laughs> like, the whole point is them to find love. And, okay, they find love and then they're no longer on camera and the love is dead. So, it was kind of tough. But, yeah, I mean, it's you say that. But I was, like, I was genuinely disappointed for a good while yesterday. Um, I mean, when it comes down to it, I love Bachelor in Paradise too much to give up the other shows because everyone who goes on Paradise is on those shows. I want to know who they are when they show up on the island. But I, um, yeah, definitely disappointed about that news. So certainly wanted to talk about that. Uh, so there was a there when you asked me the question, was there a breakup that that made you sad or or gave you actual feelings about it? Or, yeah, and I I was googling it and. There was one that came to mind, uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. I know Angelina okay. Jolie is very attractive, but come on, Je- really? You, you leave you leave Jennifer Aniston? Seriously? Wasn't that like a really long time ago, though? Yeah, but... Like, we were on. like kids. I don't care. It's Jennifer No, but you Aniston. were like actually upset? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, when I, well, I mean, not not in the moment, but like googling, like, Thinking whoa, he used to, yeah, he used to date okay. Jennifer Aniston, and he left her. Come on. Yeah, I mean, all right, it's it's a little different. It's the best okay. one I can I'm think of. I'm glad that you had an example. Yeah, well, so, um, you know, I talked, I did my um. My, my big bachelorette episode back in August at the end of that season. And I was not a fan of Katie and Blake. Uh, really just there were other guys that I preferred. I felt like I got cheated out of a season because he showed up halfway through and won. Well, they broke up after like two months after the show aired. So now I'm like, I definitely got cheated out of a season. So that was more like annoyed than anything when they broke up. But yeah, it's definitely sad to see um, Zach and Tasha not work out. And um you know, I guess I'll see if they're uh, on my my screen again on another edition of um, you know either show or Paradise. But I uh, yeah did want to talk about that. It felt like very relevant news. Had for... to get had to get that off your chest. Yeah, I mean it's you know I've I've talked about the show a lot over the past few years. I've had episodes that were either entirely or partially dedicated to it. And when a big news like that breaks, that you know I have an opinion on, I do want to kind of throw it out there. So. Uh, with that, let's start talking about football. Let's kind of bring you back into the conversation. And uh, week 11 is in the books. And it started out uh, almost a week ago now with Thursday Night Football, where the Patriots beat the Falcons 25 to nothing, their fifth straight victory. Mac Jones was solid in this one, 22 of 26, 207 yards. He threw a touchdown and a pick. And uh, ultimately, is the defense that played a huge role just Matt Ryan in the Falcons offense after being held to three points by the Cowboys, zero points against the Patriots, 68 to three in two weeks. Not a great look for the Falcons. Uh, I do want to give you the opportunity to kind of give your thoughts on just this game in general before we kind of move on to, all right, what's the new outlook from here, given all the other games that happened this weekend? Yeah, I mean, this game, it was kind of an expected win, just given that the Patriots are certainly on a roll right now, winning four straight games coming into this game and then winning a fifth one in a row. And the Falcons coming in this game were, uh, they lost big to the Cowboys by 40 points and they're without their best receiver, Calvin Ridley, due to mental mental health issues. And they did not have Cor- Cordero Patterson coming into this game, who, even though he wasn't the greatest with the Patriots, he's actually been terrific this year. Yeah, he's, he's been, been one awesome the, with the Falcons. He's this been year. one of the few positives for the Atlanta Falcons this year, and he's actually been terrific. Uh, so they didn't have him in this game. It was basically just Kyle Pitts and a bunch of nobodies. And so, uh, and, and then I'll, and of course Belichick had to talk up Kyle Pitts and saying how awesome he awesome he is as a player, saying he's half Julio Jones and half Tony Gonzalez. And all I thought to myself was, well, Belichick's just gonna double cover Kyle Pitts all game and make sure he does nothing. And that's basically what happened. And not only did he not do anything, but basically the entire Atlanta Falcons team did nothing in this game. And that's a credit to the Patriots for how good they've been, especially defensively. But it's also just shows you how bad the Atlanta Falcons are. The best part of that game was the ending where it was in the fourth quarter and the game was over and they brought in Josh Rosen. And then, yeah. and then he, and then he throws a pick six on his. I think it was his first or second pass attempt. And then, so they bring in the third string guy for the next Sweet drive. And, yeah, and he throws a pick the first on his first throw, which was it was just comedy gold. That was easily the best part of the game. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't really that impressive of a win, just given how both teams are trending right now, but. But yeah, I'm certainly becoming a, more of a believer in this Patriots team. But I will say, though, there has been a, way too much hype 
not not just locally but nationally uh, on the Patriots and how they're going to make this deep run and they're just like the the 01 Patriots from 20 years ago when Tom Brady came in as the starter and they of course won one went to the Super Bowl and won it all and I find it a little bit annoying. I kind of get it because Mac Jones is this rookie quarterback and he's looked good. He's been the best quarterback of the five guys in the first round and they're trending in the right direction like I said before. And but it's just it's just annoying because if if they really are if people really are going to compare them to the 01 Patriots then they better win then because if they go into the playoffs and they lose in wild card weekend or division round or whatever you can't just backtrack it. I don't mean you. I mean people who are hyping the Patriots. You, you can't backtrack it and say, oh, well, they weren't even supposed to make it this far. They're heading in the right direction. Mac Jones, he's a solid rookie quarterback, blah, blah, blah. I mean, no. Like If, if they're the only one Patriots, they have to win then. Like, and it, it'd be like the Red Sox this past year where it's like, okay, they lose in the ALCS, the Astros, good team, but it's like, oh, they weren't supposed to make it this far. Who yeah, even well, expected they did. that? Like, yeah, but, right? yeah, and they did, but I, they I, were hate, great I hate the that. whole season. I know, and I totally get that. I uh, the expectations are are very high right now. Like, you came into the season thinking, yeah, maybe this is a playoff. I, w- team, I was thinking, but... yeah, borderline inner. I I had them out barely, but yeah, like ten and seven, an improving team, especially as someone that doesn't like Cam Newton that much. With Mac Jones in there, I gave him an extra two wins. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Mac Jones has certainly looked the part at this point. It's. I think it's a little too early to say he's like the best quarterback in this class, and that team. He, no, so he's been the best passing. this year. Yes, he's certainly been the best rookie. He. I mean, coming into it, I think there was an expectation that he was close to, if not the most NFL ready. Yeah, he he was just given how much experience he had at Alabama, even if he wasn't the starter all those years. Just the. Just being with Alabama, Nick Saban is already a plus and winning a national championship. And the other guys, not all of them, like Lawrence, of course, was a known commodity. But the other three guys are a little bit uh, uh, unknown. Well, maybe not Fields, but definitely Lance and Wilson in like their one year or not even one year for Lance. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I don't know that other teams should necessarily be feeling like they regret um you know passing on mac jones i think it's way too early not even through the first year to be able to say that but yes the expectations have certainly risen for the patriots at this point i said last week that they're a legitimate super bowl contender at this point because of how well they're playing and when you look around the rest of the afc that's my biggest problem with the patriots is that okay yes i i'm definitely becoming more of a believer in them but my number one reason for believing in their chances of making a deep run is because the rest of the AFC stinks. It's the competition. It's just yes. it's just that okay, I I thought at one point Buffalo was the best team in the AFC. They lost to Jacksonville and they got their butt kicked. Butts kicked at uh, against Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor scoring five touchdowns and and now the Patriots are first place in the yeah, AFC East because which of that is loss. which is pretty amazing. <laughs> and then and then looking at the rest rest of the conference uh in the AFC, the Chiefs are definitely the one team that I certainly take seriously and they're they're, definitely finally looking like they're figuring it out but yeah like they were struggling for a big part of the year and then in the afc north i mean yeah baltimore they they won but they barely squeaked out a win versus versus the chicago bears who had fields hurt in the middle of the game and i don't know if they even deserved to win that game and the week before they lost the dolphins so i don't know how seriously to take them i think they're good but I, i don't know what their ceiling is and then 
Yeah, it's just you can poke holes in so many. Every team in the AFC, basically. Every that's single what, team. Well, the Titans were the hottest team. Oh, in football, and the Titans won six in a row, and it, then they lose to the Texans. Oh, and the Titans. Yeah, like I'm. I'll admit, I'm definitely a hater of the Titans, but I'm so glad that they lost to the Texans because I I truly believe that they are an, a really overrated team, and they're 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 coming into Foxborough right now, and they they're, are they're they're gonna miss. They're not gonna have Derrick Henry, of course. They're not gonna have Julio Jones, and they might not even have AJ Brown. So they, they won't even have. They might not have their three best uh, offensive weapons. Uh, and t- Tannehill was an interception machine versus the Texans yeah, this he past threw weekend. Four picks. It was yeah. a, a tough. It, look. it was a tough tough because it was in the rain for sure. Yeah. So I won't give him too much crap, but it, he did not play well in that game, and it's gonna hurt not having his best weapons uh versus new england this, yeah i mean this, this sunday especially given how how good new england has looked defensively they didn't have jones and brown against the jets and they lost that game you look at the titans they have three losses two of them are against the jets and the texans if you told me like two of the worst in the afc if you told me that they were going to lose the jets and texans this year i would have locked in that eight nine record right <laughs> it could still happen. They're eight yeah. and three. They could eight continue three. to lose out. Watch out. <laughs> no, but I, I think um they were they were a team that's kind of due for a letdown. Um, you know, coming off all those wins against legitimate competition. I, right. I, so I I think it's it's not totally shocking from that perspective. Yeah. But... It, it, at some point, it was going to catch up to them because because and... every team has has looked bad at some point in Tennessee. Oh, was, I know. Like, the last, especially in the AFC, the... and it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from that. You know, how do they come off that loss? Because they have this huge game against the Patriots. And we said the Patriots first place in the AFC. There's a chance the Patriots to be the number one seed in the AFC after this week with a win over Tennessee. They needed a little bit of help from other teams, but it's it's within possibility. Yeah, and another thing is about this game is, hey, New England, they could be riding a little bit too high right now, thinking way too highly and thinking way too ahead, while Tennessee, they're coming off a loss, think motivated to bounce back in the next game and so even though i'm leaning new england right now in this game i mean i I wouldn't say it's impossible for tennessee to win even if they don't have some key weapons yeah they also just waved adrian peterson today oh what a shame that was (laughs) yeah i uh i i feel like this is a game that you know a few weeks ago i was like oh the titans are gonna win this the titans are playing really well right now but with the way the Patriots are playing, it's it's certainly not a gimme for either side. And if anything, the Patriots right now certainly look like they have the advantage. And it's going to be a key four weeks because I remember talking about it when they were playing the Chargers, the Panthers, the Browns, the Falcons, Falcons. where it's like those are four games where... yeah. Like th- those teams were like, you know, is that the kind of competition that the Patriots are at? That was when we were thinking, oh, they got to win these games to be a playoff team. Now, when you play the Titans, the Bills twice and the Colts, you're like, these are the kind of games that you want the Patriots to win to prove that they're actually that Super Bowl contender that some people are starting to say they are. Yeah. Before the Chargers game, I remember they were three and four and their three wins were two versus the Jets and one versus the Texans. And all I'm thinking is outside of the Jets, Texans and Jags. There aren't any locks in, in on their schedule, and but after seeing them beat the Chargers on the road, granted the Chargers weren't that great in that game, but after beating the Chargers on the road, uh, I thought to myself, all right, well, I see Carolina on the schedule, Cleveland on the schedule, and Atlanta, and I'm thinking, all right, these are games that maybe they can win. If they can beat a Chargers team, granted, maybe I overrated them, but if they can beat them on the road, then they certainly can beat these other three teams uh, as well, which they did, which they did, prove. and blowout wins in all three of them. Yeah, that that's a good point. 
So, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with these next four games. It it kind of feels like the Patriots are going to need to, at the very least, split, but m- possibly sweep the Buffalo series. Um, and yeah. like that loss to the Dolphins could come back to hurt them because um, if it does come down to a tiebreaker, the Bills would have it on the division. So it almost feels like they'll have to sweep to get the um, the head to head, or not have it come down to a tiebreaker. So that way. They have head to head, and uh, you know, in in whatever scenario, no, whether they have more wins or the same amount of wins. I'm definitely looking forward to those matchups because even though Tennessee and Buffalo at the moment are trending down, those are they're still at near or at the top of the AFC right now, and it's a bigger, even bigger test for New England. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, those those are games that they they look a lot more winnable now than they did just a few weeks ago. Right. So. Um, yeah, well, we'll see what happens with the Patriots from here. Uh, certainly some some important games for them, but they have the, the opportunity to continue riding high off those. Um, I guess we can talk about my Steelers now, who they at, at times it looked like they had an opportunity to string together some wins and um, enter the, the tough stretch at the end of the season with maybe a better chance of making the playoffs than others had thought they did coming into the season. Maybe six and three was a possibility, but they uh, of course lose or tie with the lions felt like a loss and Mason Rudolph's game. And then this Sunday against the chargers, one of the more gut wrenching losses this team has ever suffered because you go into the game you're already coming off a tie against the Lions. Like you're feeling bad about this team, and you have no T.J. Watt, you have no Minka Fitzpatrick, you have no Joe Hayden, and you know, T.J. Watt's been incredible this season. He's he's proven why the Steelers were willing to pay him so much money. I've been disappointed with uh, Fitzpatrick and Hayden. I mean, Hayden just a 32 year old cornerback. He's played like a 32 year old, and um, Fitzpatrick hasn't made those splash plays that made him the All Pro he was the past couple of years. But their losses were certainly felt in this one as Justin Herbert and the Chargers were able to drive up and down the field every single possession uh, to start this one out. And it was 27 to 10. And it felt like this game was over. There were so many times where I was like ready to shut off the game and go to bed. And then all of a sudden, the Steelers block a punt. And next thing you know, they're scoring a one-yard they, touchdown. Yeah, they get a Najee touchdown. It's a seven-point game. They get a Najee touchdown, and then they get a Fryermuth touchdown. Yeah, well, so it was it was twenty seven twenty. The Chargers go back up thirty four twenty. Austin Eckler, he, he wasn't quite Jonathan Taylor, but he had four touchdowns in this one. And then, uh, you know, the the uh, Fryermuth touchdown. But actually, I think it was Eric Ebron who scored first, make it thirty four twenty seven. And then they have the Cam Hayward tip ball that leads to uh, Cam Sutton touchdown, another short field, and all of a sudden it's thirty four thirty four. And then it's 37-34 after the uh, Steelers stop the Chargers on a fourth and inches in down territory and then you know, end up kicking a field goal after that. And all of a sudden, a game that I was like contemplating going to bed, thinking it's over, it's going to be a blowout, they have no chance, they're winning. And then to, to lose on a busted coverage 53-yard touchdown because you have like your third string corner and safety in the game. That- yeah, and, and not having Micah Fitzpatrick... Not game. having Minka really hurt on I, that. Even if, that even if he hasn't possession. been 
as good as you've you've said where he hasn't been as great as other He's years. smart he knows where to be he, yeah. he might not be making those interceptions he might have some missed tackles this year but uh but it, huge huge blown expect that to happen yeah huge blown coverage uh to give mike williams the go-ahead touchdown and then eventually the game-winning touchdown and yeah I mean, yeah I, I agree with base you ba- you summed <laughs> it up perfectly that they 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 tie with the Lions and they come into a Sunday night game on the road. Big Ben and the Steelers have not been great on the road. I think their one win, uh, or excuse me, not on the road on the West Coast. Uh, no, yeah, they've been really bad. Yeah, they've in the been last few years. yeah, they've been bad on, on the West Coast. Uh, where I think they're like one win was coincidentally against the Chargers. On Duck Hodges was playing quarterback. <laughs> that was in 2019. Yeah, and and yeah, so for. For them to come off a tie and coming into this Chargers game, they're down 17 points. Like, all right, well, Chargers are easily going to win this game. But for them to take the lead versus the Chargers and thinking, all right, well, they can actually steal a win here, just like they did in week one versus the Bills on the road. But then all of a sudden the blown coverage uh, cost them the game. And, yeah, I mean, it stinks because the Steelers, they were actually great offensively, maybe not at the start of the game. Oh, I know. Right, but, it's like Big Ben Big has ben, his best game yeah, of the season. Yeah, Big Ben wasn't even points. practicing, and he got a private jet over uh, to, yeah, I know, to this coming, game, recovering and, from COVID. Just. Yeah, thirty-nine years old uh, at the end of his career, recovering from COVID, and he throws three touchdowns and no interceptions. <laughs> so, yep. for, for them, for that to happen is actually is great for their offense, but their defense. You were definitely right about their defense. Wow. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember I mean, the, last week you were just trashing their defense. like, And it was one game, and it was, yes, it was the Lions, but but no, after seeing this performance, like, wow, that was that was definitely their worst performance on defense. And granted, the Chargers, they're great offensively with Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then, yeah, Austin Eckler scoring four touchdowns in this game. But, but yeah, moving they, up and down the field at will with yeah. no yeah. resistance. Was, was that, for an was, that Justin half. Herb, was that Justin Herbert or Michael Vick out there? <laughs> he looked like Lamar Jackson. Was, that was an issue not having TJ Watt is you have these guys, they're able to get pressure, but then oh no, he's just able to get out and now he's just sprinting down the field for he first had down every single third down play. He, like he almost had a hundred yards rushing this game. He had more rushing yards than Eckler. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He had 90 rushing yards, and he was at 93 and lost a few on kneel downs. Right. So it was a uh, really frustrating performance from the defense in what has been a frustrating season for the defense. And it's it's been frustrating not entirely just because of losing Bud Dupree and Mike Hilton in the offseason, but because of all these injuries and just not being able to have a lot of these guys. And their depth has just not been great. And what makes it worse is the fact that this team has $10 million in cap space all off season. It was, Oh, they're way over the cap. Like, what are they going to do? Well, they get down, down to it. They get rid of all the cap space. Uh, you know, they, they cut ties with some guys, you know, guys leaving free agency, whatever, but they, to have be at this point in the season where you have all this money sitting around and you're forced to have like James Pierre, Arthur Millette, and Akella Weatherspoon play key roles as cornerbacks against a potent Los Angeles Chargers offense. It's it's very frustrating that those resources couldn't have been used elsewhere. And I get it that that money wasn't necessarily there, that they had to do a ton of restructures. David DeCastro having his injury being released um, in June played a role in terms of why they couldn't retain some of the guys they lost earlier in the offseason. But it's, it is kind um, of a drop off after TJ Watt and, and Casey Hayward. 
Cam Hayward. Or Cameron Hayward, sorry. Cameron Hayward. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is a significant <laughs> drop-off. And, like, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick shouldn't be as big of a drop-off, um, you know, but it, he was certainly missed on the field. Devin Bush, 10th overall pick. He's not even an NFL linebacker at this point. Like, I, I don't understand what he's doing out there. Like, he just can't tackle anyone. He doesn't know where to be. He's just a liability on this defense. And he's someone that was supposed to be a huge part of the defense. And I... I don't think you can blame his torn ACL because it's been over a year and there are plenty of guys who have come back and look normal again in less time than that off the torn think, ACL. Do you, so. do you think their struggles on, de- on defense are more because of who they let go or who they keep playing out there? I think it's a combination. Um, I think that you know choosing Cam Sutton over Mike Hilton was partially due to Cam Sutton being cheaper, but uh, you know I, I do think Hilton would have been a better player. I don't know that Sutton has uh, proven to be a number one corner or, um, you know, at, at this point in Joe Hayden's career, it's tough to rely on him to be the number one corner. Um, you know, Bud Dupree is one where he hasn't been all that great in Tennessee. He's on IR. He, right he's now. on IR, right? Yeah. yeah. Alex Highsmith, he had a, he had one and a half sacks in this one. I think he only had one and a half to start the season. So, um, certainly a big game for him. I don't know that Dupree was as big of a loss, especially knowing what they would have had to, get rid of to keep him on the roster uh, just given how much money the titans ended up paying him but yeah I, I do think it's a little bit of a combination i do think that the there needs to be um a focus on i mean the offensive line certainly but the, the defense and the draft this year and like really hoping to to nail some guys because you have a lot of undrafted players a lot of like guys like taco charlton and carl joseph like oh maybe they're first round talents there's something in there and I don't know if those are guys that you really want to rely on at this point in the season when you're trying to make the playoffs. So, what about Isaiah? Uh, what about Isaiah Loudermilk? <laughs> he's been really solid. I know he's he's a fun name. He was uh, I think he was a fourth round pick this yeah, I think past it was a year. Fifth, but I mean, it doesn't fifth matter. round, like, yeah, okay, yeah, later rounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I, I'm pretty sure they traded up to get him, but he um, he's he's been solid this year. I think he could he should get more playing time. Um, as it, it moves forward, just given all the injuries, like no, no Stefan to and Tyson Alawalu is really tough. And I, I don't expect to see two at any point this season. I'm pretty sure Alawalu's injury suffered in week two was a season ender. So I don't think he'll be back, but it's, uh, it's really tough watching this, uh, Steelers defense, just knowing how elite they were the past two seasons and what it is now. Yeah. So. And I, I just, I've said this plenty of times that I, I think the Steelers for them to be successful this year, it's, I think, and you probably think that they have to win games more defensively than offensively. And for them to score thirty-seven points, it's like, all right, well, that should win you a game if you're. It should. If you're the it Steelers, win you a game. And, and yeah, they're not the Steelers' defense of the past two years, but I don't think they're as bad as I thought. Thirty-seven they were. points should win yeah. any team a game. Like that's, realistically, that's it doesn't matter point. how yeah. great your defense <laughs> yeah. is or bad your defense is. So. It's uh, it's tough to score all those points. So now the next two, Cincinnati and Baltimore. I mean, I I still feel like the Steelers can win those games, especially with um, a lot of those guys who are injured back. But they are certainly must win if this team wants to make the playoffs. Uh, now that they're sitting at five, four, and one, and went from the top wild card in the AFC to completely outside of the playoff picture. Um, you know, with that one loss, it just there's a lot of competition in the AFC, and uh, there's the, the opportunities yeah, are there the, with the schedule. But I think it, you know, I it think just the, means you got to win the games. The five through twelve seeds, if the season ended today, it, it they're it's like six and three to or or six and four to like five and five or something like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're all they're all separated by like a game or a game and a half together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. The Bengals as the fifth place team are six and four, and then the Broncos in twelfth are five and five. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh we'll see from here. Um, you know, it's I, I'm optimistic about these next few weeks, but at the same time things can really come crashing down with uh a loss or two. So all right, um just a, a few more games that I want to touch in week eleven. So we we kind of talked about the Chiefs earlier. So uh, in week 10, they blow out the Raiders 41 to 14. Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns, 400 yards. Everyone's saying, oh, he's fixed. He's no longer broken. He's back. Well, kind of struggled in this one. He didn't throw a touchdown pass. He threw 250 yards and an interception against the Dallas Cowboys, only 19 points, a game where everyone thought it would be very high scoring up and down the field, and the Chiefs are still able to win because of their defense showing up, 19-9. So certainly not what I expected out of this one, and um, no, not just the Chiefs winning. I thought Dallas had a great chance, but for them to completely shut down the Cowboys' offense, yeah, and I know they were without Amari Cooper, yeah, but and CeeDee Lamb for the second half, but it was it was a very impressive performance for that Chiefs' defense, and if their defense can play like that against an offense like that, then they're certainly a team that needs to be considered a Super Bowl contender once again. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how things turn around within just the span of a few weeks where the Chiefs, I mean, I think we all expected they'd still be a playoff team, but they were really struggling for most of this season, uh, especially on defense. But their defense has looked good the past the past four weeks. But even though it's looked good, I don't want to give them too much credit because, okay, they gave up 17 to the Giants. It's Daniel Jones, and the Giants are obviously a mess right now. Then they give up seven to the Packers, who didn't have Aaron Rodgers, and they had Jordan yeah, Love Jordan out there. Love. And yeah. then 14 to the Raiders, who are, I mean, it's obviously a mess uh, in – Las Vegas right now with 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 their losses. Uh, yeah, this they season. got a lot off the field. A lot of they off the field issues, <laughs> uh, yeah. of course, in Las Vegas. And then Dallas, that's definitely the best performance. But I will but they didn't have Amari Cooper in this game due to COVID. And then, like you said, they lost CeeDee Lamb for the second half due to a con- concussion. But that's still the most impressive one, just given how good their offense is. Even without those guys, I still have... Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson, like they're not great receivers, but still have Ezekiel Elliott as your running back, yeah. and Tony Pollard. Tony, Paul, Tony Pollard is the best backup running back in the league. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Dalton they, Schultz is a solid tight end target too. Yeah, so. as well. Yep. Yeah. So they still had plenty of options to go to on offense. So for the Chiefs to shut them down to nine points and no touchdowns is is that de- that's definitely the most impressive uh, performance for the Chiefs defensively. And so I don't. I don't expect that for every single game, but if they can get enough good defense, just like when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, where they get uh, enough good good play out of their defense, like where it's not uh, completely completely imploding, where they're giving up thirty five plus points a game, or if they can do what they did in this game, I, they definitely can contend still. Yeah, Chris Jones, huge game, three and a half sacks. I mean, if he's playing like that, we yeah. know that he's one of the the bright spots on an otherwise not great defense. So all it over, certainly helps everyone else. Yeah, he was all over, uh, all over the field in that game. Where D- Dak, I mean, yes, yes, he, yes, he wasn't very good in this game, but he, part of it was certainly because guys like Chris Jones and other 
players on their defensive line were amazingly beating the Cowboys offensive line. And so, yeah, I know it was five, five sacks total in this one. It was very impressive. Uh, just given who they were going up against. I know Connor Williams was injured for Dallas, but still they've, they've had, <laughs> they've had some of the best uh, offensive line performances throughout the, the season. So definitely an impressive performance from that defense. Like coming into the season, um, you know, I, I thought that the Chiefs were still the team in the AFC and that their defense would be just good enough with how great their offense was. So if they can put together performance where even the offense is bad and they still are um, you know, winning games and they're they're certainly a scary team. They have a bye week coming up and then three straight divisional games against the, the Broncos and Raiders at home and then a short week playing the Chargers on Thursday night football with the Steelers, Bengals and Broncos to finish. So definitely some opportunities to continue to, um, you know, assert themselves and prove that they are the uh, class of the AFC West and the it's, AFC as a it's whole. It's still a little concerning how they look offensively, even though they've won uh I, is it four straight games that they've won? I think yeah. Four yeah, they've won four in a row. Yeah. I, they did have a huge game against the Raiders, but they they struggled Out, offensively. But yeah, outside of the Las Vegas Raiders game on Sunday night, they haven't been that sharp offensively. And Mahomes didn't didn't have a he didn't have a touchdown in this game either. And it, it's kind of the same thing where it's okay. They have Tyreek, they have Kelsey, but who who are who's that next guy? And I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he finally came back from his injury off IR and. He scored. He scored a touchdown this game, and he got flagged for pointing at somebody, which was absurd. But I mean, yeah. So I, I do kind of want to talk about that. So taunting has been a big thing this season, and like, yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous rule and stuff. Like, I don't. It, they're flagging everything, like not even just the egregious stuff. But it's week eleven. Like, come on, they've been calling it every single time. Like, why do you think anything different is gonna happen if you're just straight up pointing in the face of another player? And Clyde's had a tough year. Not even just the injuries, but he that, also that had that fumble, that, in, that week fumble in week two, right on Sunday Night yep, Football against the Ravens, cost mm-hmm. him the game, and so he's had a really tough year. And so for him to finally score a touchdown because I feel like every time the Chiefs get in the red zone they he doesn't get the ball as often as he should and so for him to score a touchdown just let him just let him point if he wants to do it he got he got flagged for pointing (laughs) I still can't believe I still can't wrap my mind around that he got flagged for pointing at someone that's that's as bad as it gets for for the refs yeah Um, I mean no that's not for the refs that's for the league or the The league right force it right right yeah yes um yeah I I I guess just talking about that touchdown. So that was um that that made it sixteen to three, right? Yeah, one yard touchdown run. Uh oh yep. no. I yeah. Think, yeah, it made it sixteen to three, I think. Okay. Yeah. That made it sixteen to three. So Mike McCarthy uh decides to enforce the fifteen yard penalty on the extra point instead of in the kickoff. So he makes it a forty eight yeah, yeah, yard. Yeah, extra Bucker point. to kick a long, long extra point. But like what what value do you get out of that? It was only the second quarter. Like, you know, I feel like you would much rather have them kick off from the twenty and give yourself uh, potentially really good field position. I think that that might work if it were Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh is kind of a hard place to kick. But yeah, other but like, than that, I, I can't think of many other. It's not like he's kicking it into the the front row of the crowd. Like he, you would still think he's. I know. Kick I'm. It short. I'm trying. I'm trying to play devil's advocate because I, I, I do agree. I do agree 20, with you. That so it's... a kickoff, even if it goes to the goal line, that's 15 extra yards yeah. that they have to cover. So I was just trying I, to 
trying to think of a reason because I I do agree with you that it was not the right No, call. I think it's just another boneheaded decision by Mike McCarthy that I think is ultimately going to, you know, cost him his job sooner rather than later if this team doesn't uh, you know, reach that ultimate success at the end of the season. Are you worried about the Cowboys at all? Cuz we talked about last week how The only okay. honestly the only reason I'd be worried about them is Mike McCarthy. I think the Cowboys are loaded. Uh, you know, it was it, it was a tough week, you know, you when they're fully healthy, on offense, they should be scoring more than nine points a game against a, a defense like the Chiefs. And, I mean, their their defense is able to shut down Patrick Mahomes uh, for the most part in that Chiefs offense. So, yeah, and Micah Parsons in the second half, looked so. great as well. He had that forced fumble. And so, yep. so yeah, I agree with you on the Cowboys. It's just, it's just that last week. I think week it, we they're talked more to... likely to beat themselves is yeah. what it comes down to it. Now, yeah. there are certainly a lot of great teams in the NFC, so it's kind of tough to say that. Like, they could be the fifth-best team in the league and also be the fifth-best team in their conference, and that's, that's true of any of those five teams. Um, what, though, I, I do think they're they're not as bad as, uh, you know, some of the other teams that are kind of trending downward, particularly the Rams, um, yeah, you know, it, after their two losses. But yeah, I, I do. I'm not as concerned about the Cowboys uh, just because of this loss. It's just that it's kind of like the Bills where it's like, all right, well, they, they had this bad loss versus Jacksonville and then they win the next week. It's like, all right, well, the Bills just had that one bad loss, but then all of a sudden they lose to Indianapolis. But, and then for Dallas, they get blown out by, well, score wise, it, it wasn't a blowout, but if you watch the so game. To the Broncos. It, yeah, yeah. The I mean, Broncos, it's 30 to nothing. Yeah, yeah they, they scored a couple Garbage, late. garbage time. Uh, touchdowns those 16 points and so yeah it was a blowout on at home versus the Broncos of all teams even though they traded their best player uh, after that week and then they blow out uh, Atlanta but then they lose uh, this week uh, on the road but again yeah without two of their best players well one of their best players but then Lamb in the second half and so I think yeah it's like what you said if they're fully healthy I still think they'll be fine and should be a division winner and make possibly making a deep run and yeah the i guess the biggest thing i worry about is like you said mike mccarthy yeah they play the raiders on uh, a short week so i don't know that they're gonna have um you know those two guys certainly no cooper likely no lamb back but the the raiders are struggling right now so if they lose at home to the raiders on thanksgiving even without some of those weapons then, then we I'll can look back and concerned. and consider and, and question if 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 they are trending down or not yeah yeah yep um so yeah you another game that you kind of hinted at earlier the chicago bears had a chance to beat the baltimore ravens no lamar jackson they're up 13 to 9 even after justin fields goes down with an injury and the ravens are able to move the ball down the field on the final possession of the game score a late touchdown Devontae freeman i think with like 20 seconds left and baltimore yet another win where it Felt like they shouldn't have won. They've had all these games this season. They could have easily lost. They could be like two and eight right now, yet the, somehow they're seven and three first place in the AFC North. The Titans, I think, have been the luckiest team this year. I think the Ravens might be the second luckiest team. I think the Ravens have been luckier than the Titans. Like, I don't know. I know the Titans had like that game against the Bills where uh, you know, they got a big fourth down stop, but look at their schedule. So they week two against the Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Elair fumbles in field goal range, and the, the Ravens win by a point. And then in um, week three against the Lions, the, the clock seemingly runs out with the delay of game, and they, they're able to pick up the, the big um, 
you know the yards they need to set up a they, they, they were 66 big, yard Justin Tucker field they're, goal. They're down big to yeah, so they're down big to the Colts. Down big Monday, to the Colts on Monday Night Monday Football, Football a couple then, weeks later. Then when they came they, back because Rodrigo Blankenship got hurt and couldn't make a field goal. Yeah, and then he missed field goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know because he was injured. <laughs> right, and and then there was also that game versus Minnesota where it was a shootout and went into overtime and Minnesota couldn't couldn't get the win and Baltimore ended up getting it. And yep and then you know this game and then this game yeah all right so maybe so maybe over. maybe you're right that they've been luckier uh, but the bears had a 90 percent chance to win this game with a minute 20 to go like you know i i know we've seen some some crazier ones over the years uh particularly in atlanta but it it's just frustrating because they didn't even have lamar Baltimore jackson team in this game out these. i know they had tyler huntley playing quarterback who i will say Back when the Ravens lost to the Bills in the playoffs and Tyler Huntley came <laughs> he in, he did late. look better like, than Lamar. Oh, in that he kind of looked better than Lamar, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that being said, it's th- this Ravens team. I'm just waiting for something to happen with them, and they're they're, they're stretched to end the season. So they get the Browns two of the next three with the trip to Pittsburgh in between. Um, they play the Steelers on the season, and then they also make a trip to Cincinnati, who beat them by 24 at home. And they have home games against the Packers and the Rams. In Still haven't proven that they're a legitimate playoff. Threat. They have and, and, a very tough schedule down the stretch. Honestly, it might be even tougher schedule than the Steelers have. I'd say it's it's at least right up there. So they definitely have opportunities to prove that they're just as good as their seven and three record says, or that they're they're not, and that they are actually a fraud, which I'm convinced that they are at this point. Yeah. Two games against the Browns, Packers, Steelers, Rams, Bengals. The, even the Bengals at this point now. like uh, Those are all legit, uh, either pretty good teams or... There's not a single teams. gimme in there. No, there's like, not one gimme. You're you know, right. I know they play four home games, but you know, two teams are two of the best in the NFC, and the other two are divisional games against divisional opponents who are above 500. So it's... uh, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll kind of get to know more about the Ravens moving forward. And uh, I guess while we're talking about the Bears, there's some potential big news in Chicago as uh, there are some reports going around saying that Matt Nagy is going to be fired after their Thanksgiving Day game against the Detroit Lions. And I'll believe it when it happens. I feel like Nagy should have been fired a long time ago. So we'll see if it actually does. It is kind of weird that you have reports are coming out that he's going to get fired after the game instead of just getting rid of him. I know they have an you know a mini buy or whatever but the the bears they're, they're not the worst team in the nfl but geez they, they they don't do a lot of things right they don't even know how to fire a coach <laughs> no it's uh, yeah if, I, if if he's getting well, fired. here's the thing they've the bears have literally never fired a coach midseason so why is why is things going to change suddenly i guess one thing it sounds like ryan pace is trying to distance himself from matt nagy and uh you know see if he can somehow save his job and not go go out down with him but the the bears are a mess um i i heard some reports saying that pace might stick around but you know not necessarily as a gm in a different role maybe he'd take over as president over ted phillips uh, who i know bears fans are also wanting to get out of there so there's a there are a lot of issues with Chicago right now. They're three and seven. Andy Dalton is uh, the quarterback on Thanksgiving Day against Tim Boyle and the Lions. And yeah, t- Tim Boyle, Andy Dalton, and Trevor Sibbing on thir- Thanksgiving uh, slate of football. It yeah, it's uh, not going to be a fun game to watch. Like 
part of me feels like the Bears are going to lose because of how terrible they've been. At the same time, I mean, Owen nine Lions. and one Lions don't have a win. Yeah, with Tim Boyle. I don't know. I mean, this feels like their a, best opportunity ug- to get a victory. No so. matter who wins that game, it's going to be an ugly, America ugly loses. game. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a, all right, everyone. Get your your food now. We're all gonna sit in the living room. Like, oh, why aren't you guys watching football? What do you mean? There's no game on right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a tough one. Um, you know, I, I certainly hope that you know the next time we talk about the Bears, it's no longer Nagy because I am I'm just so frustrated with that tenure and the way that's played out. And I I hope for Bears fans' sake that the, this team gets rid of him before it ends up like last year where they somehow win a bunch of games down the stretch and make the playoffs. That wouldn't be a a, a fun holiday for Matt Nagy. He would he probably wouldn't like Thanksgiving that much. And just I mean if the if, day if, he was fired. Yeah, yeah. The day yeah. he gets fired is on Thanksgiving. What am I thankful for? Uh getting fired from my job. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean, yeah, if you're if you're Matt Nagy and he does and you do get fired, you might as well just go all out when you get home. You get you get all the Thanksgiving food at night and you get hammered and whatever. Just <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm sure that he'll he'll do that. Um I, I also realize that as I say this, there's a non zero chance that um Matt Canada gets fired and Nagy somehow ends up as the Steelers offensive coordinator next year. Just because I feel like that would just be inevitable. It's like I I say that Matt Nagy should be fired for two years in a row. He finally gets fired and he ends up on the Steelers. Like <laughs> Is like that, that po- do you perfect. think that's possible at all or are you just I, fearing the worst? I mean, I hope it's not possible. Part of me is like, well, if Todd Haley can be hired as an offensive coordinator, then anyone can be, uh, you know, any people hated Todd Haley. Yeah. Too. Right. And people hate Matt Nagy. Like, it sounds like a lot of Bears players want him gone. So I guess if the whole locker room actually wants him fired, you can't can't wait around until January. So I mean, when Bulls fans are chanting at a Bulls game. Fire, fire, fire Nagy. Nagy. <laughs> there was a fire. Now that you say that, there's a fire Nagy chant at a high school football yeah, game because his for, for, son for was his on kid. The yeah, how awful is that? Uh, People know, are it's, ruthless. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're high school kids. It was a student section. It, it is ruthless, but like at the same time, like yeah, you know Matt Nagy. I hope Somewhat you get the deserving. Message. No. Yeah. no, no. I mean the kid doesn't deserve I, it. I, Matt Nagy deserves yeah. it though. <laughs> it, part of me doesn't want to. Part of me doesn't want to laugh at that story, but I part of me kind of can't help it. It's like, wow, like this right? Oh, I know. It's like the I have the same reaction. Yeah, You're like, eh, it's like you I know, feel bad for the kid, like, but it, it is yeah, kind of funny. It <laughs> is it's as ruthless as it is for high school kids yeah. to do that. Uh, and then I guess one last game I want to talk about. So we um we mentioned Jonathan Taylor five touchdowns for the Colts. Tyrod Taylor had a couple scores, big upset win over the Texans, and Taylor Heineke. Who knew that he would be the one going into Charlotte and uh, coming away victorious in his return against Cam Newton? It was it was Taylor's version this weekend. Um, you know, everyone named <laughs> Taylor bet. had a big <laughs> everyone named Taylor had a big weekend. So um, the the Washington football team suddenly four and six, and it's not looking like a stretch that they can get back to the playoffs. Um, you know, following their win over the Bucks and now beating the Panthers and the Cam Newton homecoming game. Taylor Heineke. Uh, you know, he played very well in this one. Three touchdown passes. Cam Newton played well, too, and the Panthers still lost. So it's, uh, you know, certainly a, a tough look for that Carolina Panthers team. Yeah, I, I, was, I was definitely happy for Taylor Heineke because he's definitely a winner. Even if he's, he's not the best quarterback, he he's he, he's a fun made, player. Yeah, he's, he's a fun player, player. Made a lot of winning plays in this game. And Terry McLaurin, he's a stud. He makes every single contested catch. 
uh, I swear he's he's leading the oh, league. I know. He's leading yeah. the league in contested catches this year yeah, by a lot. Had, he had a very good game in this one as well. Hundred yards receiving. Christian McCaffrey looked solid as well. I mean, he's he's looked better. I guess he was better in the Cardinals game, but he's he's still there for this team. And yet the the Panthers lost. And all I can say is. Starting to question my initial feelings about Matt Rule. I really liked that hire when the Panthers brought him in. I know you weren't as big of a fan, um, just in general, of college coaches going to the NFL. But I, I think that that's really the reason why the Panthers lost this game is it ultimately comes down to coaching uh, for them to play as well as they did offensively and, and still end up losing this one. Yeah, I wasn't as a- against it as like Joe Judge with the Giants. But 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 yeah, you, you definitely were stronger on Matt Nagy. Or not Matt Matt, Nagy. Matt Rule. Matt, R- <laughs> <laughs> Matt Rule, not Matt Nagy. <laughs> Wrong Matt. Yeah. Matt Rule, uh, as as the coach of the Panthers, uh, after success at it was Baylor, right? Yeah, at Baylor and then at Temple previously. Right. And so that so yeah, it stinks for him, uh, not not uh having too much success right now in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it, they gave him a seven-year contract, so I doubt they would get rid of him after just two years. But his uh, his seat's certainly hotter right now than I thought it would be at this point. But I don't know. The Panthers, they're, they're a weird team this year in that they were not good last year at 5-11, and 11, and they start out 3-0, and 0, and they start building up these expectations, and then everything just kind of came crashing down, you know, the point where they had to bring Cam Newton in because Sam Darnold was struggling and injured. And I think that the uh, the Panthers have kind of put themselves in a position where it's going to be really disappointing if this team doesn't end up in the playoffs when it's all said and done. And it's going to be uh, kind of a struggle uh, for them to get in. Uh, you know, I know the NFC is a little open after, you know, those top five teams, but they, um, you know, they – not it's an uphill battle the for the Panthers. Right I mean, it's I mean, certainly yeah, an uphill battle. The, the combination yeah. of them having a super easy start to the uh, schedule, facing two of the worst teams in the league in their first three weeks, and then having McCaffrey. Uh, granted, he's a running back, but he's still a pretty important player. Him being out after week three with uh, with, I think it was a hamstring uh, injury, and then Darnold just completely sucking uh, after after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely a b- bad turnaround for the the Panthers after Week Three. Yeah, and they they play the Bills, the Bucks twice, and the Saints their last four games. Yeah, so. I, I don't think it's I'm, it's not looking good for the Panthers. No, I mean this was a game I thought for sure they'd win. Um, you know, Cam Newton's first start in Carolina, going up against Ron Rivera, they lost, and uh, I think that to me that's enough reason to say okay, yeah, Cam Newton. Yeah, if Cam Newton could play, it's a fun story, but if, it's not going to be a. If Cam Newton can play that well and lose, then I I can't see the Panthers doing much. No, definitely not at this point. So, all right, that's uh that's enough for me for NFL Week Eleven. You know, we'll have more to say about football in the coming weeks and months, uh, or at least professional football. We're gonna have more to say about football in general in the the coming seconds and minutes as we transition to the college game. So um, at this point in time, they're actually just now going through the college football playoff rankings for um, you know the latest week. So I don't officially know what's going to happen, but after this weekend, I got to say the committee is running out of ways to screw over Cincinnati because Michigan State, number seven in the country, they get 
destroyed by Ohio State, 56-7. C.J. Stroud, 29 for 31, 393 yards, six touchdowns in just the first half. So, real quickly, how big of a Michigan State fan are you? I still like him. I still root for him. I don't. I know I didn't get to. Like, so you weren't like distraught about. Yeah, like, I'm not like, like oh, like my life is over kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. Like, I I still root for the Spartans, football or basketball. And if they win, great. If they lose, I'm not gonna. I'm not as mad about it as if like if, if the Patriots lose or if the Bruins lose in the Stanley Cup or Red okay, Sox. So you're not. So, yeah, like, you're I'll, not like oh, yeah. end of the world. Like it, it's it's fair for me to you know say okay, they're out of the playoffs. Like, yeah. who cares about them now? Yeah, like, it. <laughs> Uh, they're not. They're not. They're obviously not making the playoff now because two no. losses. Anyone, any team has two losses. Like it's over. Yeah, I mean Alabama could maybe still get in with two losses, but yeah, yeah they, everyone outside of them. I would like to think that. I would think that if all these teams have two losses, uh, you know, Oregon has two losses now. They got destroyed by Utah, thirty-eight to seven in Salt Lake City. So Cincinnati, in theory, should move up to number four. Even if the committee decides Michigan beating Penn State on the road is enough to put them above Cincinnati, even though the Bearcats had a blowout win over SMU, Ohio State plays Michigan this week. Yeah, and the the loser of that should be knocked out as well with two losses, which right. should put Cincinnati back into the top four conversation heading into conference championship week. Now so. that's what I was just about to go with. I'm like looking at the teams that are right outside of the top four, I'd imagine the top four will be uh, Georgia, Alabama. Ohio State and Cincinnati, I would imagine. That that would be and, my expectation as well with and, Michigan. What if the five. what if that order is right or not, whatever. So I'd imagine those the next two teams would be Notre Dame and Michigan, and Michigan is playing Ohio State this weekend. So I'd imagine the winner of that game has a really good shot of making the the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean if, Granted, if Ohio State or Michigan wins the Big 10 championship yeah, game after winning the Big that 10, game, right? Then, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be in the um, you know, the final rankings, the final top four. So, I mean, really, the, the question for Cincinnati at this point would be, A, does, if Georgia beats Alabama, um, is that enough to knock Alabama outside the top four? You know, how much does Alabama need to lose by that the committee is not going to keep them in there? And B, can anyone else potentially jump them? Which I think the most likely option at this point would be, Whoever comes out of Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they both have one loss. Uh, Oklahoma State is guaranteed to go to the Big 12 championship game. If Oklahoma wins, I think it's in Stillwater on Sunday night or Saturday night. Um, then they would have a rematch in the Cotton Bowl um, in the Big 12 championship game. Otherwise, uh, Baylor would be there, and Baylor has two losses, so they're they're not really a threat at this point. So it's really come down to either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. And does the committee put a 12-1 and Big 12 champion in over a 13-0 and American champion? So um, I, would, I, I really hope that Cincinnati finds its way in. It's, it's certainly a possibility, though, that they could do that. And, of course, they, have, the, they, they can't lose a game, though. No, they definitely can't lose the game. They have to be 13-0. And, and then the the other scenario that people are throwing out that would be in some ways kind of funny but also like really annoying would be if Notre Dame at 11-1 and one somehow gets in over Cincinnati given that their one loss came to Cincinnati earlier even if, this year. Even if it comes to a point where Notre Dame deserves to be in the college football playoff, I, I'm, I'm, rooting them, I'm rooting for them to not make it because I don't – think highly of them as a college football playoff team 
like just given their past history and uh, they just the get playoffs, blown out. They just yeah, they get they keep getting blown out. But granted, it's usually by Alabama or Clemson. Or which are yeah, kind of unfair, I mean, I, but I can't the same imagine time. Georgia would be that much different this year. Yeah, with, with how good it, they've been. Yeah. So, I, but hey, Notre Dame did just beat Georgia Tech fifty-five to nothing, and Georgia plays Georgia Tech this week, so that'll be kind of a good little measuring stick game. But I um, just want to yeah, certainly don't. I, I would like just rather Notre Dame chances. I rather see them not in it because I would just expect them to, whether if it's Georgia or Alabama. I just ex- I don't expect them to show up against either of those teams. I would just. I just want to see someone different uh, make a run for it. Yeah, and Cincinnati would be that different team. And you know, people can say, oh, but Georgia's going to blow them out. Well, they played in the Peach Bowl last year, and Georgia only won on the last second field goal. And I know Georgia's much better this year than last year's team, but you know that right there should be enough reason to say, hey, let's let it play out on the field and not just assume it's going to be a blowout when it's good chance it'll be a blowout no matter who they play. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely excited for um you know college football rivalry week a lot of big games this weekend uh you know one that's of course a particular interest to me is south carolina clemson a game that wasn't sure how i'd feel about it uh you know a few weeks ago but south carolina beat auburn on saturday night gamecocks are officially going bowling six and five record and i say that officially i think technically you need seven wins to officially guarantee yourself in there but I think six wins as an SEC team is enough that they're going to get a bowl invite. There are 11 teams in the SEC that are bowl eligible, a couple others that can get there. Basically, everyone but Vanderbilt has a chance of uh, getting in. So I suppose it's possible that they uh, don't have enough spots. But with how many bowl games there are, I, I feel pretty confident that the Gamecocks are going to get an opportunity. So. How much How much do you care about these these bowl games that are not the big like Rose Bowl or Cotton Bowl. Oh, I mean, just in general, not a ton. I mean, I'm not a big gambler. If I did, then I'd probably love bowl season, just, you know, having these crazy games to bet on. Um, I used to do bowl mania, so I would kind of care, but I was always so bad at them. Uh, But, I mean, South Carolina making a bowl game to me this season, first year Frank uh, Shane Beamer, um, you know, son of the great Frank Beamer. I, I think it's, like, really, really great. Um, just given how low my expectations were for this team and the fact that in year one Beamer already has this team in a bowl game it it just makes me feel really good about this team long term Um, you know what he can do as he uh, you know brings in recruits and builds up this program because it was in a bad spot with Will Muschamp so I'm certainly happy um, you know with the way everything played out Uh, especially winning against a lot of like really strong SEC teams like Auburn this week and Florida a couple weeks ago, a game I was at, I think the Gators were like a 19-point favorite, and the Gamecocks ended up winning 40-17, to and I don't know if I would call that the beginning of the end for Dan Mullen, but it was certainly uh, one of the bigger contributing factors into him being fired this week as Florida started 4-2, and they're now 5-6, and six. they lost four out of five the one win was against uh, fcs samford in a game where they were down 42 to 35 at halftime before winning 70 to 52 they lost to missouri in overtime so dan mullen is out in year four and i guess how much do you know about dan mullen i know um, he was the mississippi state coach he for was a mississippi long time. state coach yes but like i don't i don't know him a, that like I, I would recognize him and i know he's was the coach for a long time at Mississippi State, and of course he was the coach for Florida for a few years. But other than that, like I don't know too much about him. 
Yeah, so he was in his fourth year at Florida. Um, heading into this season, he was 29-9 and in his first three years. He had a winning record in the SEC all three seasons, and he got him to a college football playoff, uh, or not playoff, but a New Year's Six bowl game in all three years. Last year, the SEC championship game, put up a fight against Alabama, and then again this year, I think in week three in Gainesville, um, had him down to the wire and everything fell apart this year. So it's, I think it just speaks to like how crazy things, like how quickly things can change in college football at some of these major programs. And that's something that Florida has dealt with so often because Urban Meyer, he's their coach. Um, I think 2006, he takes over. They end up winning the national championship twice in three years. And then in 2010, he retires, uh, you know, cites health issues. Uh, there are uh, some reports about like a toxic workplace, you know, all these other things pop up about Urban Meyer, like whether he's just trying to get out before it was, uh, you know, too late because he ended up at Ohio State not long after that. But since Urban Meyer was fired at the end of the 2010 season, we're now looking at uh, Florida hiring their fourth full-time head coach in just 12 years. And they, they it hasn't they been have good have since like, the Urban Meyer Tim Tebow days. They well they've they've had a like moderate success. They haven't been a championship team since then. But Will Muschamp came in and you know I guess with Urban Meyer's players like they got off to strong starts. So he was really a great recruiter, but then they go four and eight in 2013. Start off slow in 2014. He's fired um, at the end of the year. And then they bring in Jim McElwain, who also gets off to a great start. But there's questions, is he the right fit? And uh, he has that weird incident where he's like saying that him and his players received death threats, but he like didn't have like evidence or anything. And they decided to fire him for cause like a week after that. And then they bring in Dan Mullen, who he's supposed to be this like offensive genius. He's going to come in and turn the program around and starts off great, but Mullen's problem has always been he's not a great recruiter. He doesn't invest nearly enough time into it. And now Florida has like the 23rd ranked recruiting class, which is really bad for the best program in the state of Florida where they're constantly sending guys to, you know, the the best college schools and the pros. So the uh yeah, Florida I think this is a really important hire for them coming up. They keep getting it wrong who, somehow. Who, and who do you think uh would be top candidates for the job. Well, you know who I would, I would love to go there just for you know like the the jokes out of it who? would be. Uh, how about the guy who's in Jacksonville right now going back home? <laughs> that <laughs> it, would... it is kind of incredible that you know there's all these jobs opening up that feel like they would be appealing to Urban Meyer as he's like struggling in the NFL. So. Uh, I don't think that's realistic, but I've heard, so both Stoops brothers trying to get Bob out of retirement or getting Mark from Kentucky, I think those would both be solid hires for them. I don't think Bob Suits is all that realistic at this point because he retired like five years ago. Um, I mean, I, name, I mean, Lane Kiffin keeps yeah, getting Lane a, Kiffin. He, he I was keeps, gonna get to him. He he keeps he, getting a, a new job every two years. How about him? Oh, I know. <laughs> he he bounces around a lot. No, I, I think Lane Kiffin um, is certainly going to be connected to both the Florida and the Miami job if that one opens up. And I think there's a real good chance he would end up leaving Ole Miss for one of those two jobs. Um, would certainly be interesting. 
if um you know, I never he, I never know where he, he is. The, uh, I, I, yeah, I, he's he's been at Ole Miss he, past yeah, couple years. Been, yeah, really Ole Miss. This year. Uh, wasn't he I like their number ten in the country? He was what? at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic. Yep. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. After being the offensive coordinator uh, for Nick Saban at Alabama for a few years, so speaking, um, of I a, like Lane Kiffin. I think he's a fun guy. What? Speaking of uh, former offensive coordinators for Nick Saban, what about uh how, how about Bill Steve O'Brien. Sarkeesian? <laughs> oh yeah, him leaving Texas yeah, after and, one year. Yeah, and, and not off to a good start for him either. No, which he's is not, not surprising off to a good in the slightest. He, he no. sucks. Yeah, him and his uh his coach's monkey. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Billy Napier is another name that I I um, have very connected to Florida. He's he actually has South Carolina ties, so he was someone that was connected to the Gamecocks for a while last year before they went with Beamer, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, Florida is if they don't get a guy like Lane Kiffin, then I think it's going to be just more of the same because you could say, OK, well, Mullen was a terrible recruiter. Let's get a strong recruiter. Muschamp was a strong recruiter. He wasn't a great coach. And, uh, so you, need, you know, he's uh, a, so you need a, clearly someone that can have a good you need someone of who's just good all around at everything. He can recruit and he know he can bring in the four and five star talents and he knows what to do with them. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Florida. And it's interesting that they make this move, not just that Dan Mullins just had one bad season after three really solid ones, but LSU is a job that's open. Southern Cal is open. You know, there's, there are a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for the top coaches, uh, this this coaching carousel period so ed orgeron uh, is still there but he's yeah, probably he's not there, he's probably not they, gonna be there after well no season. they they already announced he's gone after the season okay, let him oh, keep okay. i didn't even know they announced yeah. it yet it's but, a weird no, but given it's a weird given spot. how lsu has played especially ever since joe burrow left it's definitely been downhill ever since yeah and it, to me lsu and southern cal are both bigger like more desirable jobs in Florida. So Florida right away seems like they're just looking at the the third best coach at best. And who knows who can still open. I thought there was a strong chance Penn State would open uh, with the way their season has gone with James Franklin uh, constantly being asked at press conferences about leaving for the Trojans or the Tigers. And uh, just earlier today, they announced that he was signing a 10-year extension with the school till 2031. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy just with the way the season has played out. I thought for sure he's either leaving or getting fired, and for them to lock him up for the next decade is very surprising to me. Um, though I, I don't necessarily hate it because um, one of my my favorite things about um, you know college game day over the years when they go to Happy Valley is they'll bring in um, Michael Keegan Key, who is a Penn State grad, who kind of looks like James Franklin. He'll do like impressions of him. So we'll we'll get those still for another decade. I've always loved but, the East West Bowl uh, names. Oh, I know. For, yeah, for, they're uh, Key and Peel. They, yeah, I mean, obviously that's just joking around stuff, but they're yeah. they're certainly big college football fans. At least Key is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think James Franklin has to be one of the more frustrating coaches in all of college football because Penn State is a great program. They're always really good. They can just never win huge games. And this year, they got off to a strong start, and then their quarterback Sean Clifford gets hurt against Iowa, and then they just start losing and losing and losing every game after that. So, so. you you think between giving him a, a long long extension or long extension, or just letting him go, years. you think it would have been a much better choice yeah. to let him go. I think so. I think that they could have. Have they uh, have they even restarted. made the the college football playoff 
No, they they came close in 2016. I they thought won the Big I thought they came close. One they year. had two losses. Yeah, I just think given given their year, program and the fact that the college football playoff has been around for is it seven years now? I think it's yeah. I think yeah, I think, think there have been 2014. seven playoffs. This I, is the eighth. So it's so, so it'll be the eighth, and I yeah. highly doubt that they'll make it this year. So yeah, no, no, and, and, and they had a chance. They were and, number four. And he's oh, been they the, did officially release them while we're talking. They did put Cincinnati four with Michigan and Notre Dame five and six. Okay, and I mean Franklin's been there since I think 2014. Yeah, because because Bill O'Brien took over after the year after that whole mess in Penn state yeah. and he was there for a couple of years and then it was James Franklin. Right. Yeah. So 2014 sounds right. Yeah. Cause the Texas went two and 14 in 2013. So that's natural. They would have the <laughs> job open after that. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's, you know, even with Penn state and, uh, you know, James Franklin agreeing to that extension, it's still going to be a very interesting off season. And it's something that's going to start in the next uh, week or so as coaches, more coaches get fired and more teams look to replace guys with their, um, you know, seasons over. That's a, that's a crazy deal. Like whatever the money is, 10 years is, abs- I mean, who it's do- a long outside time. Of, to I mean, what coach, coach outside of what college coach outside of Nick Saban, would deserve a deal like that. Uh, Michigan yeah, State, Debo Swinney, Michigan Brian State Kelly. talked about uh, bringing, uh, extending Mel Tucker for ten years uh, at like ninety five million. Yeah, there there were rumors about it. I don't know if you saw that. No, is he only in his second year? Yeah, but there there were rumors about him uh, being extended yeah. by Michigan State ten years ninety five million. I think it was. That, that was that was crazy. before <laughs> that was before well, they started losing. <laughs> South was... Carolina, yeah, I mean, South Carolina extended uh, Will Muschamp after his second season, nine and four, beat Michigan a bowl game, and then just suck for the next two and a half years before he's fired. Just I wasn't I wasn't saying it was gonna bio. be the right move. I was just saying no. That I know. Were, it was were... just, I'm just saying that would be it, it would it's be tough it, to commit to a guy that early. Yeah, it'd be a bold move. I, I think outside of Nick Saban, it, it's probably not only bold but probably wrong <laughs> yeah oh I, I agree it's i would say a wrong move uh but again that also kind of speaks to the state of college football is that guys are constantly looking for like better programs and uh the schools are thinking like way too highly of themselves like florida's of the mindset that oh we should be competing for national championships every single year because we won two 15 years ago and you know the reality is like they're they're not that and they, they just keep firing coaches just after just a couple of years because the, of it. The, so. the national championship win uh, over Oklahoma and Sam Bradford, that game was a long time ago. <laughs> it was, a, yeah, it was a very long time ago. Sam Bradford's not even in the NFL anymore. No. So. <laughs> Tim Tebow is an uh, analyst at ESPN yeah. or, or playing for the Mets. Uh, I, I, mean, don't, uh, I don't think he does that anymore. No, he, yeah, he retired <laughs> from baseball. So. Uh all right, uh, so that's enough college football. Real quickly, college basketball. I mean, I don't even know if I mentioned all of like the early season tournaments, like the Maui Invitational and the likes, and Battle for Atlantis, which the uh, the Lady Game Gosh just won, beat number two Connecticut on Monday. Um, I don't think I even mentioned those as reasons why I love Thanksgiving week. I just went straight to college football, but college basketball, it's like starting to become relevant. You have games on throughout the the week, um, you know, throughout all the days. Um, I'll admit so it, it's. I'm definitely someone yeah. that 
cares way more about the tournament than anything. I, I, and of course, a lot of college, yeah, college you'll, basketball you'll fans are like college that. College basketball fan in March, but yeah, for there, sure. There Everyone fills out a bracket. There definitely are times during the regular season, college basketball wise, even, even and college football wise, sometimes where if there's that big of a game, like I will go out of my way to tune into it, and we have a game and number one seeded Gonzaga mm-hmm. versus number two seeded UCLA. Yeah, I know. That's I'm I'm really excited about that one because uh, coming into the season, I was really surprised when UCLA was ranked number two because I know they went to the Final Four last year. They put up a fight against Gonzaga, but they were an 11 seed, so I didn't feel like just because they were returning, uh, you know, a lot of guys like that was enough for them to be ranked that highly. But they have a huge test to see, um, you know, if they're truly that team. I know they beat Villanova, who's number four at home, uh, a couple weeks ago, but. Uh, for Gonzaga, I think it's another opportunity to see, is it Gonzaga and everyone else? Or, you know, where does the rest of the competition stand if UCLA truly is that second best team in the country? So I'm uh, definitely excited for that one tonight. Um, 10 o'clock tip off, so it's a late one, but I'm not working tomorrow, day before Thanksgiving. So I'll probably end up staying up for it. Probably still be editing the podcast, wrapping up with it when it's, uh, you know, getting close to the end. So yeah, it should be a good one. Yep. Um, do you have like any early season predictions uh, in terms of who you think you're going to end up uh, picking to cut down the nuts in March? No, it's way or too early. April, I guess. Wait, yeah. wait, no, wait, wait, wait. I mean, too it, early. It, it, I mean, Barnaby feels like it should be Gonzaga, but they had their chance last year and they got. Yeah, they went 39. Was it 30? It wasn't 39, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't it was like, 39. I think like they were 30... 31 and 0. Oh, well, I was a lot because they didn't play as many. I games knew. Last I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't 39, but it was, I. I didn't think it was 31. It should have been 39 and 0 in a right. normal season. Um yeah, so I'd imagine like yeah, they'll be a the number 1 overall seed coming into the tournament. I'm assuming well they they'd have to win. Yeah, I mean if, if they're sure, truly but, the one, yeah, I know if yeah. they're truly the number 1 team in the country. Uh Chet Holmgren is he looks the part. Uh he could certainly be super the number super one tall. Super tall, super skinny dude, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> he definitely uh, needs to put on some muscle. But he definitely has the skill. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, he's only eighteen years old, so there's uh, plenty of time for that. Um, yeah, North Carolina Tar Heels—they uh, had some opportunities this weekend. Two ranked games against Purdue and Tennessee, actually in uh, you know in Connecticut at uh, Mohegan Sun Arena, and they lost both games. And they lost to Tennessee by a lot. And, you know, after putting up a fight against Purdue, being up at halftime, Purdue's number six team in the country coming into the week. So uh, a little disappointed with that. I, you know, hopeful that Hubert Davis's first season is a a memorable one, but certainly don't feel like they're a national championship team. Do you think that was the right move? Like after Roy We talked about it. I remember we did talk about it. I I just forgot what your opinion was. Basically, like I get wanting to keep it in the family because they always do that but if i just give it like a couple years and if it's not looking like an immediate success like it's probably the best program in the country they should be able to handpick whoever they want as a head coach and at that point that's when they should be looking to i just figured it made sense i mean i remember him as a longtime analyst uh for espn and then he Mm -hmm. was at north carolina as an assistant and for a long time and so with Roy Williams retiring, I figured, you know what? Like it's, I'd imagine it's no, smart it. to be yeah, the was, next guy. It was so. who Roy Williams wanted to be the next guy, right. but I don't think that he should be. He should be sticking around if this team isn't, you know, in the national championship conversation uh, in you know a couple of years, because that's how good the program should be. 
So uh, anyway, yeah, definitely excited about, uh, you know, college basketball, college football, um, you know, this week. And yeah, we'll see when I'm back into college basketball. I'm sure I'll be kind of following along with it, but it, it really doesn't pick up until after the Super Bowl as you get close, you know, that final yeah, month and, of the regular and, season. Yeah. And then March Madness, uh, right before the tournament starts, you have the conference tournaments and then, yep. and then the then the big dance, which is always... Yeah, and that's when everyone's into it. Yeah, of course. So... All right, um, so we have some news in the hockey world that we want to talk about, and it's something that is uh, certainly relevant to me, somewhat relevant to you, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins, my NHL team, are reportedly close to being dealt to the Fenway Sports Group, which is uh, led by John Henry and others, a group that owns the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool FC. So... Uh, I guess before I get too far into it, I guess what are your immediate reactions to uh, you know the the owners of the Red Sox potentially buying a team that you're not necessarily too fond of as a rival of the y- Bruins? Yeah, the, so my well my first reaction is like, huh, like you like the Red Sox, you like the Penguins. That's kind of neat for you personally that yeah <laughs> uh, that the same ownership group is now uh, part of the Red Sox and Penguins, uh, but for me. I'll admit I was I wasn't a fan because, I mean the the Penguins are I, I don't, they're not the biggest rivals of the Bruins but they there's sort of a rivalry with them and I, I just I mean look John Henry he's the owner also of Liverpool and it's like for me like whatever I mean it's, it's soccer and it's it's a different country and and soccer is not in the U S it's not that big of a sport it's not one of the four major ones but hockey and. Even though it's not the biggest sport, it's still one of the four major ones. And it's it's here, and, and yeah. it's the Penguins. Yeah. It's not <laughs> it's not some team out west. It's it's uh it's an actual uh sort of a rival with the Bruins, and so I I hate it from that aspect. And I'll admit, like I w- I wish owners didn't treat uh, the teams as just like just assets. I know it's kind of dumb to say, but I I wish that they could only just own one team, and you put your your heart and soul into that one team to put the best product product out there on the field for the one team. But I'll admit I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of, of it because it's kind of a, a shot against Red Sox fans or in Boston sports fans a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a, a very fair take. Um, you know, I certainly, probably would have the same feelings if I wasn't a big Penguins fan and I guess even as a Penguins fan I don't I don't fully know exactly how I should feel about this because it's um it's always a little scary when you hear about a new ownership group taking over your team and I think in the case of you know the Penguins it's even scarier that it's a group of people who are outside of Pittsburgh it's not like they're Pittsburgh lifers buying this team Um, And then I realistically don't think that relocation is a possibility. I I think as um, NHL owners, like part of the rule is you're not allowed to relocate a team within like seven years of buying them. So it shouldn't be a serious concern. But, you know, Sidney Crosby, I don't know how much longer he has left in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang are both set to be free agents this year. So there's certainly some some scariness of like what's going to happen with the Penguins long term. The, the end is sort of near. It is. It's it's definitely 
quickly approaching. I mean, this team is, it's been four years since those back-to-back Stanley Cup titles. So, uh, you know, bring in new ownership who doesn't have the same kind of relationship with these team and like these players. And, you know, maybe they'll end up making a drastic move that I'm not as big of a fan of. That being said, Mary Lemieux is still around there. He will still be part of this deal. Um, you know, whether or not he's considered a majority owner or a minority owner, he'll still be involved with the team. It would be strange to not have Lemieux involved with the Penguins, just given how how much he's been associated with this team for the past three decades plus now. So I do like that aspect about it. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and start freaking out that like Sidney Crosby is going to be gone anytime soon uh, before it actually becomes a thing. But uh, I think that's that's the biggest hesitation I have. At the same time, these guys bought the Red Sox in 2002 and they won a World Series first in 86 years in 2004. Uh, they bought Liverpool. I don't know exactly when. Um, I think it, it took them a little while longer, but Liverpool hadn't won a top flight English championship in three decades and they won the Premier League last year and that, or in 2019-20. And that was a year after winning the UEFA Champions League. So they, they've brought success to the, the two teams they've owned. Of course, the Red Sox have won three World Series since that 2004 title. And um, they four are constantly... Four yeah, they're Yeah, well, four, three since the first one. So oh, four right. total. Okay, so. okay yeah. Yeah, they're they're constantly, you know, in the conversation for, you know, one of the better teams in the American League and Major League Baseball. And yeah, there's some frustrating moments. People point to trading Mookie Beck. Yeah, there there the are a lot attacks, of but... there are a lot of ups and downs with Red Sox ownership. But, yes, but, for sure. But, but they're they're way more ups and downs when it comes down to it. Winning four the World downs can be really bad, but years. the fact that they have four World Series, like, all right, you'll you'll take it. Yeah, for sure. It kind it's, of it's amazes totally me that they, that they have four, just given how bad some of the bads can be. But uh, yeah, well, it's like it's every still, other year they won a title the, or they finish in last place. They, they still <laughs> so. deserve the credit for the the four World Series. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely optimistic that they can um, have that success with the Penguins. I just hope that it's still in Pittsburgh, and I would love to see them help Sidney Crosby win one more, you know, Stanley Cup. I just I just hate that it's. The Penguins. I mean, I would I would have that feeling if there were other rival teams in the NHL. Canadians. Like, Cana- oh, Canadians would just yeah. be disastrous. But yeah, yeah Canadians, right. Maple Leafs, Capitals, whatever. Like, it, they're all sort of in that same group. There aren't too many hockey teams outside of the Bruins that would have been fine for them to buy right. when yeah. it comes down to it, especially just, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I wish... I'm just not a fan of it. I like picking not only a different sport and a sport that's popular here, but a near rival team. I don't, I just, it's kind of a shot at Boston sports fans. Yeah. I got to throw it out there. Um, LeBron James is a member <laughs> of Fenway Sports Group. So, you know, when this deal does become finalized, uh, he will now own three of my five favorite professional sports franchises as owner of the Red Sox, the Penguins, and the Boston Celtics. Yeah, that <laughs> I give him a lot of hate cuz because of that. So I got to I got to acknowledge that. So, uh yeah, definitely not a not a huge fan of the LeBron aspect, though I did totally forget that he was the owner of the Red Sox until I co- people were I, saying I, ca- he's I kind of forgot of about that too to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think it's like totally relevant, but um yeah, he uh, he's hey if if he plays any kind of role in the Penguins winning a Stanley Cup, then I may have to change my tune a little on him. So, 
All right, let's uh, let's move on now, and we'll we're gonna do a throwback top five. So, three years ago, we counted down our favorite Thanksgiving dinner dishes way back on the Ben and Corey podcast day, and I don't really think there's another great Thanksgiving top five we can do. Nope. So. I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I kind of want to do something. And I was, I realized that that was your last episode as a guest host. The next time you were on, we were branded as He's Done It and you were a full-time host. So there's a lot of significance in that. And also, it was a very controversial top five. And in a sense, maybe not controversial is the right word, but I just thought you had one of the worst list ever so and what's funny we had is, a lot of fun talking about yeah it, so. what's funny is that i think i would so i don't have the list in front of me but i well I we're have gonna it. play it and mm-hmm. then we can react to it mm-hmm. so here we go let's get into it top five thanksgiving dinner dishes we'll talk to you okay. on the other side <laughs> uh let's let's move on now and we're a, a week until thanksgiving uh, this will be the the last podcast that we record until then. So, uh, you know, Thanksgiving. There's there's football. Obviously, that's that's something that we enjoy about the day. But the main event is the food. So, uh, in honor of Thanksgiving, we will break down our favorite Thanksgiving dinner dishes in the top five. Not two. Not three. Not four. Top five. Top five. Top five. All right, so we're going to do this top five a little bit differently than normal, um, and we're actually going to go one at a time, just going through all five of our lists. You know, we'll make our comments, and then from there, we'll kind of you know, debate, critique each other's lists, see where we go. So, um, Brian, as the, the guest host, why don't you start off? All right, well, I my at number five, I went with brownies. Um, and the reason why, I guess, is just because um, after the big meal, like, get dessert later, and that's usually what I like to have. But my next four are the ones that I really want to talk about. I know that's really not much of, a, <laughs> much of an opinion. <laughs> it's just I'm not a fan of – I'm actually not a fan of pie or cake. Wow. Really? So, okay. wait, is, is brownies, yeah. like, a, a staple yeah. uh, at your – thanksgiving though because yeah. i actually don't yeah. think i've had brownies at thanksgiving yeah no, I, I, I don't think anyone else has your list should be invalid from after that one but all right yeah, <laughs> go on I, with your top four is it straight chocolate or are there nuts in there um both <laughs> yeah. i like my brownies with nuts <laughs> it's thanksgiving let's stop talking about brownies <laughs> i know I, kn- I knew once i was gonna once I started talking, I'm like, oh, this is going to go downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Brian, what's your number four? Keep going. Oh, I'm going to oh, keep going? Yeah, you're All doing right. the whole list. Um, yeah. I'm going to do the whole list? Oh, yeah. geez. All right. Four, I had mac and cheese. Classic. And what I, yeah, I'm sure you guys had that on your list, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Um, but what's great about it is that, like... You put breadcrumbs on it and a slight amount of ketchup, not too much. I, that's a, probably a very unpopular opinion. Maybe I should just leave right now. <laughs> what no, do you guys think? This is about what you, makes Thanksgiving good to you. I, I support your choices, Brian. Don't I'm listen not, to me. Well, you just said like what makes Thanksgiving good to me. I'm not the 
biggest fan of Thanksgiving. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I have a, yeah. yeah, I have a hot take on that as well. But... Yeah, I just, I, I'm not gonna lie. I just, I like, I just want to watch football. <laughs> See my fantasy <laughs> team go up. Last, last year, I had, I had Keenan Allen on my team. Whew, he destroyed the Cowboys last year. <laughs> This is this is going well, by the way, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep it going. I'm talking about Keenan. I'm talking about Keenan Allen in the <laughs> I think Thanksgiving food bit. We finally have a top bit. five that's not sports related. And... <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my kryptonite. Uh, three, I had mashed potatoes. Who doesn't like mashed potatoes? Yeah. Um, but I had another hot take. I don't like it with gravy. Ooh. I prefer just okay. straight up mashed potatoes. Okay. It, it's like the pancakes, right? I prefer oh, yeah. it without maple syrup. I'm the one guy on earth that <laughs> wow. prefers it without maple syrup. <laughs> um, number two, I had cranberry sauce because, uh, you know, cranberry sauce is pretty awesome. I've actually, no joke, um, I've gotten cranberry sauce uh, cranberry sauce for uh, Christmas. Nice. And it, oh, wow. From, you know, my relatives and like they would wrap. Oh, you, you know, like it got it as a present. Yeah, like I legit got it as a present because no <laughs> I'm known for liking two. it that much. And then, num- and then number one, I went with the King Hawaiian Hawaiian uh, dinner rolls, Ooh, which are absolutely okay. amazing. Like you know, have you guys ever seen the movie The Blind Side? Yeah, of course. Okay, remember that scene where they have Thanksgiving dinner together, and all of a sudden Michael Michael Orr. He's like next to the rolls, and he's just like looking around everywhere. And then all of a sudden, he takes one, puts in his pocket, takes another, puts in his pocket. That's like me with the rolls. <laughs> like I just want like a dozen of them right in my lap and nothing else. I love, I love King Hawaiian rolls. Nice. I think that's what it is, King Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I assume that's. So yeah, the rolls talking. are the bomb. Yeah. Nice. So I, that's my I, list. I like your list, Brian. Don't ignore yeah, the haters. A, that's a that was a list. roller coaster of a, a, a top five right there. Um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have gone first. I probably should have gone. format. Okay. Um, yeah. What's your number four? Oh, uh, well, Keenan Allen killed it last year. <laughs> okay. Okay, Ben. Um, do you want to do, wanna do I, your list? I do. I do want to okay. go. All right. So my number five is apple slash pumpkin pie because I... I am actually a pretty big fan of pie, and neither of these are my favorite type of pie, but I think that they're a Thanksgiving essential. And I like to have at least one slice of each just to get uh, to get my bases covered because I need to have both. I do enjoy them. I even enjoy my uh, apple pie with a little scoop of vanilla ice cream, maybe a little a little bit of uh, cool whip uh, to top it <laughs> off. So that's, but I'm not at Thanksgiving for the dessert. It's an essential part of it, but it's usually just something that I'm trying to stuff down my gullet uh, as I'm watching some football after I've enjoyed the real meaning, uh, the re- the real reason we've gathered around the table, uh, which is for the hearty meal itself. And what would that meal be without turkey? And I, to tell you the truth, turkeys, well, their reputation is lucky that Thanksgiving is a very turkey-centric uh, meal. Uh, you could say that turkeys are unlucky because it causes the death of many a turkey. But as far as a, uh, as a, as a meat, I think that turkeys are fortunate to have an entire holiday uh, that is dedicated to eating them because I actually don't think turkey's all that good. I know that's blasphemous or whatever. Um, and I know that it comes with the, like the, what is it? Melatonin that makes you sleepy. Uh, yep. yep. And, and, and that stuff. So it's cool, whatever. I'm not hating on Turkey. Uh, but I think it's a I'm, little bit dry. 
Brian, did you have something to say about turkey? Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of turkey. Yeah, it, I, it's I all right. It's all, wow. I Super eat overrated. it because I want to be sleepy after, and I think part of that is also just like a mental thing because I don't think you get that much melatonin out of it. But uh, again, it's Thanksgiving; it's an essential part, so I get it. But my my dad actually. There's... Oh yeah, no, you go ahead. Well, Sorry. my dad has started. He got a smoker. And you start preparing the turkey in there, and that I'm a big fan of. It keeps the turkey nice and moist. Uh, so I do enjoy that turkey in my number four as we continue. Brian, did you have something to say about turkey? Yeah, I remember one time when I was a lot younger, um, when I had a plate of turkey and I just did not like it, I decided to my, – my, uh, my family, right, they brought over their dog, right? Oh, no. And so what I did was I slid the plate of turkey, like, closer and closer to the side of the table. Wow. And all of a sudden, the dog just jumped up and grabbed the turkey. <laughs> and everyone everyone noticed me, like, you know, just trying to get rid of it. And everyone, every year, I get called out on it. Well, I, I, like, think, wow. I think we've all had that kind of, like, bite of turkey that's so dry you can't even swallow it that's, like you try yeah. to yeah. you try to be polite you know you put the napkin up like you're just wiping your mouth but you spit the turkey out into it. <laughs> that so, would have been a much that would have been a much better idea yeah <laughs> yeah or you just go to the dog you know either way yeah but um yeah. but but it's thanksgiving and i think turkey's essential so number four on my list uh number three mac and cheese and i'm talking about the good stuff i i like I don't want to see any Kraft mac and cheese on my table at Thanksgiving. I love Kraft mac and cheese, but Thanksgiving is the time to get, yeah, the breadcrumbs that gets yep. nice and brown on the top, and you've got all the cheese that kind of congeals. It forms a layer on the top that it's – you put a little more effort in because it is the holiday, and it's uh, mac and cheese is an important part, but it has to be prepared the right way. Uh, my number two is mashed potatoes and gravy. I do enjoy the gravy part of it, but I also need my mashed potatoes to be nice and chunky. I'm not even, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not against having some skin in there. You know, give me the chunks. I wow. want to be able to chew a little bit on my mashed potatoes. Uh, obviously, I, they're still mashed potatoes, but you guys know what I'm talking about. There has a little, yeah, almost yeah, like uh-huh. little yeah. knots in there. I know what and, you mean. Uh, I was and, just about to say that, like, when you said gravy, I was like, yes, that's a great take. And then you went on that. I was like, ah, I don't know. You and Brian. We're all going to agree to disagree on how we like our mashed potatoes. Yeah, well, I prepare to, Corey, after seeing your reaction to Brian's number one, I know you're going to love mine because my number one is definitely the Pillsbury Crescent Rolls. And my mom, every Thanksgiving, she knows what to do. She makes way way too many so that when it comes around you're just piling them on the plate and i know that eating bread is you know you'll fill up and all that but that's a price that i'm willing to pay because i love those warm little brown crescent rolls and i just that ends up being the thing that i i reach for the most at thanksgiving and the thing i look forward to the most so they round out my top five at number one crescent yeah that's the best part of thanksgiving I think you know what I should do this year? I should just take the big plate of rolls and just put it right where I'm sitting, and then like this is this is all mine right here. Yes, that's that would be the best. And and honestly, actually, since I live far away from all of my family at this point, um, I actually didn't go home for Thanksgiving last year. We did. I did my first friendsgiving uh, with some of my friends here in Oklahoma, and uh, that was cool and everything, but. I really didn't miss Thanksgiving all that much. Christmas is way better, and it's way more worth it to travel for. This year, I'm going way out of the box, and I actually have some uh, international friends here in Oklahoma who are, like, I have a 
Taiwanese friend and a Korean friend. And they, on occasion, have taken me to Asian restaurants that they really know the food well and they'll order like all the best stuff. And we went to this dim sum restaurant like a month ago and we got a like a roast duck. You know, the kind where you see them hanging yep, in the Asian yep. market. You see them hanging up and they look like they look naked. They're all brown and stuff. Dude, roast duck is amazing. And that is the type of bird I'm trying to eat on Thanksgiving this year. So nice. maybe my top five will be different next year because I'm really looking forward to that dim sum duck. Did you see the uh, yeah, my- of Carson Wentz during his bye week? No. He was just, he posted a bunch of pics with, oh, God, there had to have been, like, 50 ducks that he, he killed and wherever he was hunting. Um, I feel like if you, you saw that, your your mouth would start watering. It's so fatty. Duck is so Duck good. is good. I, I really like duck. That's So you're not going to turducken, though? Straight uh, duck. I don't know if they'll, if they can prepare that at the dim sum restaurant that I'm going to, then I'll order it, but I don't think it's <laughs> likely. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I think you were about to say something, Brian. I don't even remember what I was going to say. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll I'll jump into my list. Uh, Roles, those are good having you guys your number one. I'll I'll talk about those in a bit. Um, But I'm going to start with my number five, and that is stuffing. And I think the biggest reason why I put stuffing number five is because up until, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, I was convinced that I didn't like stuffing. And then I don't know why I just... So I'm pretty sure it was actually when I was in Easley, South Carolina for Thanksgiving uh, with Ben and his family when I tried stuffing for maybe the first time. And I was like, wow, why didn't I eat this? This is actually like pretty good. Um, I think I was always just grossed out by it. And that's the reason why I got to throw that in my top five. Um, only nice. time of year where I have Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's your mom who prepared it, but someone did a great job with it. And uh, yeah, it's always going to end up on my Thanksgiving plate um, from here on out. Number four, cranberry sauce. Uh, definitely agree with Brian's pick on this one. I know it's kind of an unpopular one. To me, whether it's homemade, uh, you got the, the fresh cranberries in it, or just the, the canned cranberry sauce, I think it's a, a very important part of the Thanksgiving meal. And, you know, it's your, your fruit and vegetables right there. So it's kind of healthy, right? Um, Even when it's not Thanksgiving, I'll buy the cans from the grocery store the and just <laughs> just take the whole can and just take a spoon and just eat just all of it. Eating it like it's jello. It's like, oh, yeah, man. it's yeah, it's just it's like it's like two hundred grams of sugar just straight yeah. in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I definitely don't do that. This is another one only Thanksgiving. Uh, number three is mac and cheese. And I also had mac and cheese for the first time on Thanksgiving uh, with the Carlson family. And I was actually surprised that you included this in your top five, Ryan, because I had never had Thanksgiving um, with mac and cheese. Uh, That's just not a thing up north, Uh, at least as far as I know. I don't know if you have Thanksgiving in Alabama or with your family from Um, Alabama. uh, Um, I've had it occasionally, but most of the time I have it up here in New Hampshire. But yeah, you make mac and cheese every year. In New Hampshire? Uh, yeah, like probably for the past yeah, like seven or eight years. Yeah. Okay. Mac and yeah. Cheese. No, sometimes actually... it's a di- sometimes it's different mac and cheese. Sometimes it's the yeah. It's not. It's never the craft one. Don't no. worry. Ben. No, but... it's always homemade. Yeah, my mom yeah. always my mom always makes it because I made her start making it for every year. Um, always did it for Christmas and Easter. I said make her do it for Thanksgiving as well after having it um with Ben's family, and uh, my mom I think 
every time she's made mac and cheese has been a different recipe that she found on Google. Uh, it's always always really good. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll have uh, different proportions of breadcrumbs or cheese or whatever. It's always a surprise how it's going to turn out. But yeah, it's um, mine is always like slightly different. Yeah, it's definitely, the brand it's, or... it's a Thanksgiving staple for me now. And uh, anyone from the north listening to this who's never had mac and cheese on Thanksgiving, uh, definitely get that on your plate this year. Uh, my number two, uh, I guess this is an unpopular opinion with you guys, but it's turkey and especially turkey <laughs> with gravy. You know, it's it's the main part of the meal. I always look forward to eating turkey, and uh, to me, the, the gravy is the best part. I do agree that sometimes turkey can be a little dry. That's why you, you get that, that good stuff on it and, it, uh, you know, make it nice and moist and nice and delicious. Uh, I could eat oh, a lot of turkey. Turkey, turkey and gravy. I, I just want to leave right now. Seriously? Turkey is my number four, dude. I like turkey. It is, it is so good. <laughs> Okay, but my number one, apple pie. Thanksgiving is one of those holidays where, yes, you have so much food, but you got to save room for dessert. And to me, while apple pie might might be my favorite, might might be blueberry, I do think apple pie is the staple for the holidays and not a big pumpkin pie fan. So to me, if it's got to be one or the other, it's it's apple pie every time. I'm very much looking forward to having some nice warm apple pie with, uh, as Ben mentioned, some vanilla ice cream and maybe some Cool Whip. Uh, and I, uh, to me, that that's that's easily my number one. I could eat apple pie anytime during the year, but especially on Thanksgiving. And well, I definitely considered putting dinner rolls. Uh, so my family, we actually always get um, Texas Roadhouse dinner rolls with their cinnamon butter. And those are always <laughs> awesome. Uh, but my reasoning for not putting it in the top five is because dinner rolls are, they're not, they're not unique to Thanksgiving. So that was what I kind of tried to do with my list is that, you know, at least four of the five were unique to Thanksgiving. So that's why dinner rolls didn't make the cut. But I do agree that's going to be a very, very big part of my Thanksgiving meal. And I'll, I'll probably have uh, more than a few rolls. I don't know what I would do without them on Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, you would, you would, you would eat. Uh, I would just stay in the living room Sit and watch football. Just, like, yeah. A can of cranberry sauce in your hands. Yeah, that's what I should do. I, I should take the cranberry sauce, the rolls, not even go to the dinner table, just go to just go to the couch and just, just sit there watching the Cowboys. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I guess, first of all, uh, I didn't realize just how bad the our quality was in terms of like our microphones we were using. There's a reason why I don't listen to really far past episodes. And part of it is yeah. because of the mic quality. I'm like, Corey had to deal with me for two dozen I mean, episodes mine, on that crap mine Jesus. wasn't that much better it, it took <laughs> a, a good while point. to yeah i know it took a while to uh before i, I switched to the one i'm currently using yeah, now I, we have the same exact ben mic, was, basically. yeah i don't know if ben was already using it because his quality like it sounded no different than normal <laughs> compared to us <laughs> i think you were like sniffling as well like there's definitely some background noise in there i probably could have done a better job cleaning well, well I, stuff I, up, but... I picked other mics but i i certainly picked cheap ones but then it got to a point where, you know what i'm doing this uh as often as i am i might as well just spend the money and try to get a really good quality mic yeah yeah it's totally worth it i actually have two of them um for when i 
occasionally have a uh, a guest in person with me. So I do use both, um, you know, interchangeably though. So it is kind of worth it. But anyway, um, if you just decide to skip through that, you know, you didn't want to listen to old stuff. Uh, I guess I'll give a quick recap of Brian's list. So uh, yeah, the, the number. Oh wait, no, wait. You you chime so, in real quickly, and then I'll get into it. So I. I don't have the top five list in front of me, but I can yeah, I can I'll, I'll I can I can I, right can I uh, so it was no I, I'm gonna say it oh, and okay. you can react right. and remember yeah uh, at uh, number five I uh, went with brownies because uh, I have a palate of a nine year old and I don't know what else to put on this list <laughs> and at number four uh, macaroni and cheese anyway let me tell you about my fantasy football team from a year that's ago. what I was about to go to yeah like I, I all I care uh, about is I just want to eat my food. Like the food on that list and watch my fantasy football team go down to flames. I don't think that I don't think that part of it as much has changed, honestly. Years number, later. Yeah. Number three, mashed potatoes, specifically with no gravy, because the less taste the better when it comes to my thing. Gravy sucks. Food. Yeah. I prefer <laughs> number two, cranberry sauce. I love cranberry sauce. It's ninety percent of my plate every year for Christmas. Not I 90%. look forward to coming downstairs and finding a can of ocean spray in my stocking and just eating it straight out of the can with a spoon. I like did. it's yeah. Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> and then number one is dinner rolls, because once again I eat like a nine year old and what else am I gonna eat on Thanksgiving? Yeah. No turkey on the list. No, uh, you know the no way the way the no, way you describe no it. I, I can see why I was controversial at first. Now it's <laughs> just such a ridiculous list. Like when you start off with brownies, we're like, so that's that like that's the one. Thing that's the one I would change. Honestly, the other four. I'd okay, still keep. what would you substitute? Jeez, I mean, the thing is, I think turkey's overrated, and stuffing is okay it's not i don't love stuffing but i don't hate stuffing but like i'll have a little bit of it so stuffing i guess, is also called dressing if you're listening for a different yeah, part of the country that's crazy. anyway but so i guess i would put stuffing but i'll admit like the the number five one is kind of a tbd or like if there's a if there's a fifth dish that you just, just have a top four yeah, yeah it's, it's really just a, here's this the, not turkey yeah final four where it's clear <laughs> those four are the clear top four and then Number uh-huh. yeah, that time where we did top five donuts, one of them was like yeah. not jelly. Not That's what jelly. I would put. Not yeah. turkey. <laughs> not turkey. It, I yeah. I don't I don't. It's just overrated. Like I'll eat a little bit of it, but it's overrated. I really enjoy turkey on Thanksgiving Day. I enjoy turkey year round, uh, especially with gravy. I don't understand how you don't like gravy. I can't eat it with without gravy. Um, you know, I'm not. Al- like a roasted I'm not. Turkey. I'm not totally alone, but uh, but mo- like majority of people, of course, put gravy on it. But I'm definitely not alone when it comes to gravy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are other people out there. Like, I'm sure like there's a handful of you who are like, oh, brownies. That's one of my favorite things. To look forward to on Thanksgiving every year. But um, you know, it's, it's wow. You really, not a you really, opinion. really hate my list, Jesus. Like, it's- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I well. Yes, I I was not a huge fan. I of had it. to hear about uh, it from other friends, like texting me, like about the like you shitting on my list. It's like, <laughs> and, but like, but the friends agreeing with me, like, yeah, the Thanksgiving food's what? overrated. Like, I agree with you. Blah, you blah, blah, know, like, I like, I don't, yeah. I guess I love Thanksgiving food. Yeah, and I, think I that... and, and I'm not like the biggest thanksgiving guy so well so so many people love when like a like a sub shop will do like a thanksgiving themed sub or like at uh what do you the you remember we were talking about the um the like the roller coaster place um 
the guy who was just six flags food yeah from six flags like they they did like a thanksgiving themed hot dog like that's like a normal thing and i feel like everyone loves that like when you have like cranberry sauce and stuffing and turkey and gravy and all that so i just i find it crazy that some people just don't love thanksgiving food i mean i I, I have a limited list of but that being said if i were to change mine the more i think about it i would probably put mac and cheese at number one which like i think i wanted to put it lower because i was like oh it's not really thanksgiving exclusive but i I, I still think it's the best i would put i would put mac and cheese higher i'd put cranberry sauce fourth instead i don't need to have a can anymore really like i'll I'll have a little bit no i don't need a can anymore i used to but not like, well, let me take that back. I eat it out of can, but I don't eat it like Ben and Jerry's anymore. Like, I'll have a little bit of... What do you mean by that when you say you eat it out of the can? So, like you so would during the crack t- open during, a can and pour it on a plate? During the you- time, I literally yeah. would... Uh, well, not on on Thanksgiving, no, of course not. Like, it's it's on a fancy plate, fancy uh, cut uh, way it was cut up. But, like, non-Thanksgiving, just by myself, yeah, I'll admit, I used to eat it out of the can. Uh and then put it back in the fridge if I didn't want to finish it. But but now, yeah, like I'll I'll eat it's it's still out of the can, but like yeah, it's more of a <laughs> professional of way of humane. doing it. Like putting it on the plate <laughs> and like not just eating it like Ben and Jerry's out of the can straight up. Yeah. Uh, sure. I'll put okay. it on a plate um and have less. That, of I'm it actually now. glad that you clarified that. Yeah. Um B- but then so. it was it was like that, <laughs> the way you were describing yeah. it earlier. Okay. Um, so I'd put that four instead of two, and then I'd put I think I'd switch mac and cheese and uh, the cranberry sauce. I don't know. Mashed potatoes and mac and cheese I switch with. And then I just put King Hawaiian Rolls uh, one just to give it some love. Give it love because I'm definitely. No, and I, I like that you did specifically call out King Hawaiian Rolls. Because yeah. I do think that is like a. Because if they were just straight up random you. regular rolls, like, no. Like, like the like, King, yeah, Hawa- King Hawaiian Rolls yeah. are, are incredible. Uh, yeah. No, I, I do really enjoy King Hawaiian Rolls. Um, one of my, my favorite dishes i guess that i haven't had in a while is when people make like a like a ham and cheese king hawaiian roll thing and like they'll put it like in the oven usually has like sesame seeds on it i'm usually a big fan of that or just anything that involves like a mini slider with on a king hawaiian roll uh but i mean it's still fine on its own just throw on some butter some texas yeah sometimes i'll sometimes i'll put butter on it but even i don't i don't need butter like i can eat it by itself but it's sweet so that's that's fair um all right so i guess we'll kind of transition to our final topic now that we kind of dove into thanksgiving meals so this friday the day after thanksgiving they're doing another match so this is the fifth edition of it and it's kind of a rivalry on the podcast with brooks keppa versus bryson to you're a big bryson guy you're wearing a team bryson shirt yeah i, I wore it specifically <laughs> for this yeah yeah, so I know you'll be rooting for him. They're doing a 12-hole playoff in Las Vegas at the uh, the Win their golf resort. I am a big fan of Brooks Koepka. Uh, I have been for years. I think he's a really fun guy. Like As soon as I've like really gotten to know him, um, I've I realized that he is my guy. And because he has this rivalry with Bryson Ashambeau, I you know I'm forced to not be a Bryson fan. Yeah, I, so I think, I think I think I hate Bryson more than you hate Kepka for I sure. I don't. I, I don't even hate Brooks. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't I, there, there are say things I hate that Bryson, I there but... are things that irk me sometimes about Brooks. He can definitely be too cool for school sometimes. But honestly, I, I mean, at this at the same time though, he is listening to his interviews on 
uh, like, like with the barstool guys. He, he's he's definitely. I'll admit he's he's definitely he's a chill dude. He's a chill dude. Like I, I yeah. Who would I rather hang out with is is not even debatable. I'd definitely rather. Hang You'd out rather with, hang out with Brooks. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that to me, I that's definitely kind don't of like what I don't, the difference is for me. There are things that I might not like like about Brooks sometimes, but I definitely don't hate. A Brooks. lot of it is his game and stuff and like appreciating bryson's game and you know brooks nonchalant attitude while bryson's the hardest worker in golf yeah i mean yeah that's that's part of it It, that that video is still hilarious though (laughs) oh yeah of him giving the eye roll (laughs) oh i i I watched that uh uh, from time to time still it's still hilarious (laughs) yeah yeah, and I mean it's it's a legitimate rivalry they'll both admit that uh you know they they made good with each other yeah i mean i think they I think at the time they legitimately hate each other and maybe they still do a little bit, but I think, I think it's more of a money grab at this point and I don't, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't blame sure. them, whatever. Like, I don't care, uh, but yeah, I don't know how much they're making, like what the winner gets. Um, but Bryson, Bryson's minus minus one twenty. He's a favorite to win this one. So, um, I'll admit, I don't know who really deserves to be. I mean, Bryson has experience yeah, in the match, right. of course, with Rodgers versus Brady and Phil. And, but I mean, whatever. Like, it's it's a toss-up between the two. It's 12 holes. Yeah, it's only 12 holes, which is weird. I don't know why they're not doing a full 18. Anyway, um, I decided that, hey, you know what would be fun um, is if we did some kind of a friendly wager amongst the two of us. And the first thing that came to mind was um, a pickle bet. Oh, so God, no. I both hate pickles. No. I know. And I realized, <laughs> oh, I, I have no stake in this. Like, I, I can't control who wins this. I'm not going to eat a jar of pickles because of a, a fake match. Um, so I, I threw that one out. But then I thought more about it and said, well, what if instead we do something that's not as bad, but still, like, maybe not totally desirable? And that's eating a can of can cranberry sauce straight up a can of the spoon <laughs> i'd do that a full can I'd, yeah i'd do that yeah right i mean like yeah. you we would do that like it was like yeah i mean i like cranberry sauce you like cranberry sauce but like it, it feels like something that you wouldn't want to do I'll, I'll especially admit, if I'll you admit, do it in front it, of other people it's a little bit uh <laughs> definitely not healthy to eat the whole thing out of a can but no but no I, it's, st- it's not a reward for, for a bet yeah, it'd definitely be okay. it'd definitely be easier for me than you, but it's. it's I mean, it's I not, like no, I really like cranberry sauce. I just like the idea of you eating cranberry sauce straight out of the can was just a weird concept to me. Like if you if you take it out of the can and put it on a plate, then yeah, like that's great. <laughs> it's not, eating it like it's like it's Jello cup. <laughs> that's the thing that's weird, and that's what I think it should be the, yeah, the punishment. I, yeah, and having I, to eat a full can of it. I'll do that. Yeah. If if Brooks okay. wins, I'll eat. I'll eat the. I'll eat the full can. Uh, All right, straight I'll out. do that if Bryson wins. Yeah. So, so. Saturday, if uh, yeah, I guess yeah, Saturday works. All right. We'll uh, I might might go live on the Instagram account, or you know, we'll we'll see. At least get some kind of video to post <laughs> later. Definitely need to document it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be a fun one. We'll uh, we'll make that happen. So. That idea was a lot better than I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, what were you expecting? I don't know, just not that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I definitely wasn't gonna say money or anything. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was something like creative. I thought it'd be a little, that I will say I didn't, I didn't something think, that could be made into content. Yeah, I didn't basically. think it'd be money. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, but cranberry sauce. Yeah, I'll, that's a good one. I'll do that. All right, um, I thought it's also a fitting one this time of year. So yeah. 
All right. A uh, bet is a bet. So good luck to you. Or, and I guess Bryson. And I'll actually have a reason to, you know, care about. Yeah, this I actually have yeah, for Brooks now. Assume, <laughs> assuming I don't put money on it, I actually have an actual. Yeah. I have an actual reason now to to watch. <laughs> yep. All right, so that'll wrap up this week's episode. Um, as of now, I don't know if there will be an episode next week. Uh, you know, part of the reason why we're able to kind of do this is because we're both in our hometown of Nashua, New Hampshire, right now. And I have uh, to fly back to North Carolina early next week. So if we don't have a new episode, we'll certainly have one the following week. We'll be talking college football playoffs in addition to NFL week 13 reactions at that time. Uh, You know, probably some other stuff as well. So um, you'll be hearing or seeing one of us sooner than that, though, with, uh, you know, depending on how that match goes. So, all right. For my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,